0: Everyone and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the Cinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're taking a stroll back through the dark underbelly of the boogeyman who apparently lives in Midwestern America. Not Mr. Sandman, no, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Michael Myers, or are we? That's right, we're gonna be reviewing the conclusion of the Bloomhouse Productions Halloween trilogy the film titled Halloween Ends. We're going to start with an icebreaker question before jumping into a spoiler-free review and then providing a verdict on the film, and then we'll conclude the show by going into an in-depth spoiler discussion. And listen, it's spooky season. It's the best time of the year, so I have to have the best panel of the year to talk about Halloween Ends, and I can't have the best panel of the year if I'm not joined by my co-host, award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Leron Chapman. Leron, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Also super excited to be rejoined by Christopher Schultz, a contributor at the Cinematropolis and also Lit Reactor. Chris, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And last but certainly not least, we are joined, first time reviewer, we've had you on the show in the past as an interview uh, back in the pandemic times, I'm super excited to be joined by an Oklahoma City Councilperson, OCU, English and Modern Languages Artist in Residence and Film Professor, James Cooper. James, welcome back to the show.
3: Thanks. Sup.
0: (laughs) How's life treat you guys? We were just talking about Halloween costumes before we hit record. Are you guys pumped or what? Sure. It's going to be a good one this year. Yeah, I I don't know. It feels like the first one where we're not technically post pandemic, but you know, just the season that's feeling a little more chill. The
1: temperature has dropped, so I'm happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Before we get to today's review, I just want to quickly note that if you're listening to the show today and you enjoy the conversation, you can support us uh, by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on your preferred podcast app. You you certainly want to make sure you do that so as not to be stalked by a Michael Myers-ish character, I will sick Daniel Bokemper on you to review this podcast (laughs) if you have not done so. Uh, So you you don't want that. You don't want that. So just head to your preferred podcast app and leave us a rating and a review. I wanted to start today's conversation just by, uh, for those of you who maybe have not heard uh, from Chris or James, I want to get to know you guys a little bit better. So the icebreaker question today relates to this film. So in Halloween Ends, one of the lead characters wears a, a somewhat unsuspecting yet simultaneously somehow unnerving scarecrow mask. I'll throw it to you first, Chris. What mask or Halloween costume is always going to give you k- chills?
2: I'm really not a fan of clowns. Honestly, I know that it, the fear of clowns has become sort of a cliche in and of itself, but um, I do genuinely find them unnerving. Um, so if I see anyone in just like full clown regalia, I'm I'm going to cross the street. Just walk away.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, what do you what are your thoughts on the killer clowns from outer space costumes that have been making a resurgence? This now, year? those
2: are wonderful. I, I, well, if we're talking <laughs> about the '80s movie, I, I do rather love that movie. Um, if I saw someone dressed as a killer clown from outer space, I probably would want to talk to them. Actually, those clowns don't freak me out.
0: Um, it's weird. They're, they're apparently they're, they're getting a video game. There's now so there's a resurgence in the zeitgeist around uh, killer clowns from outer space. At least uh, I saw some stores online carrying it. Well, I, I, I guess
2: I, I guess we're going to look forward to Killer Clowns 2, uh, nostalgia, uh,
0: sequel, <laughs> requel. Listen, well, uh, so we've we'll run see. out of other things to mind. Why not go to B-movies? Probably going to be a
2: cover of the Dickie song, uh, <laughs> the theme song from some modern band, I would
0: assume. So. <laughs> All right, let's keep going around the table. Leron Chapman, what mask always gives you the chills?
1: You know, honestly, Michael's is the scariest to me, but to not – you know, say the most obvious answer. I also, hate clowns, so I have a huge phobia of clowns. But I think probably a close second is probably Leatherface because it's skin. So that also um, is one that I'm I'm not a huge fan of. But the franchise, yes, the mask, no.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's decaying skin. Is it just? Is it just because it's skin or is it something about how it's like decaying, rotten, sewn together? What about it kind of you?
1: All the above. It's stitched together. It's other people's faces. It's just, it's gross. It's, you know, and then also they're impersonating someone else. So that's, that also freaks me out. So, yeah. Which
2: is also the problem with clowns. They've painted that face, that smile on.
1: I just don't know how to feel when I see them. You know, (laughs) that's the thing. Yeah.
0: You don't know who's, who's behind that.
1: Mm -hmm. Seriously.
0: It could be anybody. Yeah. Creepy. James Cooper, what mask consistently gives you the chills?
3: Do y'all remember a movie called Return to Horror High? Do you Critically, know this? Yeah. Uh, George Clooney's first? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time, but.
3: Uh, from the 80s, slasher, arguably self-aware meta thing. Um, but the killer's mask in that is like a proto scream like blank expression mm, mm. and i really i just always find it so creepy and it's super underutilized in that film and i really wish someone would do that otherwise just to keep the flesh conversation going mm-hmm. um i wish someone would do the fly remake as a costume oh yeah. oh
1: wow
0: yeah they're constantly having to vomit over every oh, I'm <laughs> just yeah. carry a donut
3: around and just like vomit on it and, like every time <laughs> someone <laughs> says hi,
2: it's always been my my dream to be really good at makeup. Um I've never actually been good at it, so I've never been able to do these complex uh Halloween costumes that I that I envision. But the, like like doing a full Freddy makeup for instance would be something oh, yeah. I've always wanted to do. Like I don't want to just wear a mask and that's that's cheating I think. So Yeah. You know, I want the makeup, I want prosthetics, mm-hmm. but I'm
0: I'm poor and I'm not good at it, so Uh, It takes practice. I'm sure if you start now, uh, five years from now, by the time we get another Nightmare on Elm Street, you'll be ready. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we'll see about that one. Um,
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, TBD. Uh, I'm getting up there, too, so, you know. (laughs)
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Well, uh, I I think The Fly is a good one, actually. That movie still has the unique distinction of uh, being the – I watched that on television – the first time, which you would think it's edited for TV, so it couldn't possibly be that gruesome. But I'm here to tell you the version I watched when I was probably 14 on television. Pretty gruesome, pretty terrifying. So much so that anytime I think about the final uh, transformation at the end of the film, I mean, like right now I'm getting goosebumps. Oof, <laughs> That's gross. Uh, yes, I'm going to go with ventriloquist dummy dolls or or makeup. Um I don't know what it is. Chucky kind of freaks me out. LaRon, I know you were were giving us a little sneak peek at your Halloween costume. Chucky freaks me out as a doll, but then when you see adults dressed as him, it's not as weird. Uh, But uh, ventriloquist dolls, um, that movie Dead Silence that came out, Mm -hmm. gosh, what, 10 plus years ago now, uh, not super duper scary, but the... The dolls were terrifying. the The movie was kind of creepy, but the dolls, in particular, the design, were uh, pretty haunting. Uh, J- James
2: Wayne's first foray into uh, dolls turning their head slowly and looking <laughs> into the camera. Yeah,
0: I know. And
2: and and if you're me, it it somehow it just gets you every time. Uh, it get, it gets me in a different way, but not. It doesn't scare <laughs> me. Uh, it just makes me mad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, <laughs> James Wan, uh, early experiments. Uh, but uh, yeah, so anyway, ventriloquist dummies. I had someone who actually came to a Halloween party I hosted last year with uh, ventriloquist dummy makeup on. I didn't tell them. But, I you know,
2: remember that person. Yeah. I, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, you were,
0: yeah, it freaked me out a little I, bit.
2: Yeah, I was not comfortable with them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell them this, uh, but I, I, anyway. <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are, and I, I promise <laughs> it was a great costume. I was, I was mortified. All right, uh, listeners. Well, what? sort of Halloween mask or Halloween costume always gives you the chills. You can let us know by following us on uh, social media and hang us up on Facebook or Twitter, or you can send us an email at cinematropolis at gmail.com. But let's move on to the main event today, which is our review of Halloween Ends.
1: It's been four years since Michael Myers vanished without a trace.
2: Hello.
0: So according to IMDb, Halloween ends is described as the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode comes to a spine chilling climax in this final installment of this trilogy. And uh, listeners, I wish you could just I, this is not a video media, but I really wish you could see the faces <laughs> based on the IMDb. It's synopsis. very similar
1: to my face when we discussed. Um, uh Jurassic Park Dominion.
0: Yes. Actually, great. Halloween Dominion. Yes. For those of you who didn't catch that episode, uh, that that synopsis straight up lied to us (laughs) about what the movie was about. Yeah, this is not far off. Can I just point out, I watched that
3: Dominion movie Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, and my main problem, and there are many with that film, but my main one is, like, they set up the dinosaurs. Yep. Being in the world, mm-hmm. Jurassic world dominion, but for what? An hour of the movie, maybe an hour and a half. We're on an, we're on a fucking island again. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Again.
0: With fences. Why?
2: <laughs> and isn't it, it's <laughs> like locusts or something. Yeah. It's, yeah Locus. lo- locusts are Locus. actually the real threat. The real threat. I haven't seen it, but I-
0: yeah. Listen,
3: uh, an island again. I mean, <laughs> I was just, I, I mean, honestly, as messy or sloppy as whatever they could have done off that island, I would have preferred
1: to like, yeah, that that self-contained. Yes. Yeah, for sure.
0: You go back and check out our review on that. But I was so hopeful coming <laughs> off of the, the second one, which I was also disappointed in. But I was like, but maybe we got this crappy second movie to get a great third movie. Not unlike Halloween Kills mm. to mm. Halloween Ends. Maybe we get a crappy second movie for a great finale. Mm. Well, perhaps, ladies and gentlemen, you may be finding yourself with some deja vu if you listen to our Jurassic World Dominion review. <laughs> that said, a couple of fun facts I wanted to throw at listeners so they're in the know. Halloween Ends is the 13th movie in this franchise, which is 44 years old, by the way. And it is the third movie in the David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, Bloomhouse Productions iteration. So the version that started with 2018's Halloween. The, the film marks the 12th appearance of Michael Myers in the 13 movies, as the only time he did not appear was in Halloween 3, well, Season of the Witch.
2: Now, technically, he did appear in Halloween 3. He's oh, on TV. Oh. And isn't he,
3: isn't the doctor sifting through? No, it's not Michael's ashes. That's right. They're watching Halloween. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay.
2: Also, Dick Warlock is in it, in a very... Michael Myers esque moments. So. This is the most horror Are con you? moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, know, <laughs> I was totally. <laughs> that guy. I got
0: totally my Bernie. Listen, we get a fact check as sometimes, Chris, because if you're not, the internet's going to do it, and I, I, I don't want that to happen. I am the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and lastly, uh, for those of you who have enjoyed the scores in these three movies, well, it's because they this one, like the last two, have been uh, scored by John and Cody Carpenter. So, fun stuff. I know we're going to talk in-depth about Halloween Ends, spoiler-free review. But before we do, just really quickly, I want to just get a quick gut check so listeners know kind of how we're approaching this film as it relates to our relationship with David Gordon Green's first two films, Halloween and Halloween Kills. So, James, what did you think of those first two films?
3: So, to bring another trilogy that's been re Is that the... Leg- I like Legacy
0: sequel better, but
3: we'll go with Requel because that's what Scream 5 said. Star Wars. I, I find this franchise very similar to the new Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So when I saw Force Awakens and when I saw the 2018 Halloween, it was kind of a similar. I had this kind of going, well, you know, it's skewing a little too close to the original, but I get it. They're setting something up. It's kind of nice to have these Legacy characters back. I love the chase scene in that 18 film where uh, Oscar's death. I think the John Carpenter score there is called uh, "The Shape Stalks Allison." I think oh, that's yeah. the strongest sure. part of that whole film.
2: That's with the the light, like the light. That yeah, the, the light flashing, in the detector. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I re-watched the 2018 film in preparation for Halloween Kills last year and came away kind of hating it. I thought its approach to mental health was very deeply problematic, and then. Halloween Kills, I actually, I hate. Like, I mean, there's very few films I, like, viscerally hate. It is one of them. And I felt very similar watching Last Jedi. Not for the reasons that the internet did, because they're not, not, like, the racist reasons. Right. But, like, the, oh, wow. And, and actually, behind Laron is an Empire Strikes Back poster. And... I just felt like for all intents and purposes, that's what I was watching with Last Jedi was like that again. Though some of those elements show up in Force Awakens also. But I, I also hate Rise of Skywalker. Like I almost got out of it. I almost that, that, stood up and that, left.
0: That is a movie I too vehemently hate because it's just a bad movie. But that's how I feel about
3: Halloween Kills, which I think is like a I think Chris called it joyless earlier um, when we were talking.
0: Generally not super high on the last two (laughs) films. Uh, Leron Chapman, what are your thoughts on the first two films?
1: Um, I'm still pretty warm on the 2018 version just because I liked the stripped back to the basics kind of approach they went with it. I think once it got kind of convoluted as the series went on, that's what I liked the most about the original one was that it was just so – it was more about the tension and the – Kind of this uh, psychological terror than it was just about the brutality of it. So I appreciated that. Um, I, I, it's not as um, high in my mind as it was when I saw it initially. I think initially the high of just seeing Lori, the Lori strode and the generational, seeing the three strode women that I liked the ask the idea of that. I think kills was a huge a huge like shock to the senses because the first one did seems just so competent. And the second one just just felt like it's kind of like when M. Night Shyamalan went off on his, you know, he went from being really strong to, like, you almost wonder if he ever wrote any of his movies. Um,
0: Imagine if Lady in the Water was the second
1: movie sort of thing. It's like this is not – the same person did not make this film that made the last one. So that's what it felt like with Kills. My hatred for that one has – I'm warm to that one as well, just as just being a slasher film just for the kills itself. It does sell its title, but as a competently made movie, it's just, it's just not there. Um, And I will just say, honestly, before we even get to, to ends that, all three of these movies seem to have a personality disorder. They do not feel like they are part of the same universe. It yeah. does feel like, hey, it's your turn. You know, like it sounds like three different people made these different movies. They all have a very distinct vibe to them. They all have their own unique strengths and weaknesses, and they're not the same in any of them, which makes for an interesting ride interesting if not completely you know enjoyable. You've warmed on Halloween Kills somewhat. Warmed I don't think it's good. S-
0: starting ice cold though.
1: Yeah starting yeah 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 okay. exactly. Okay all right. Mariah Carey she's thawing out for Christmas that's <laughs> where I'm at you know so. <laughs> all right. Wrong holiday. You're all. <laughs> Come
0: <How> about Halloween. <laughs> it's in the title. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll, we'll do the Mariah Carey Christmas special, so Laurent, two months from now.
1: I'll just wait here until then.
0: Christopher Schultz, what did you think of the last two Halloween films?
1: Uh, similar
2: to Laurent, I, I I I loved the 2018 film when when I first saw it when it, when it first came out. Um, I think the high of seeing Laurie Strode back and not having Rob Zombie's take uh, again, of you know, and I've even, you know, back in 2018, I was just like, Rob Zombie's movies are terrible. Uh, I've changed since then to, to kind of come back around to like, you know, I don't know that they're terrible. I don't know that they're good, but they're not terrible either. They're, they have their place. Um, but, but yeah, at the time, like really wanting to kind of get back to, you know, the Michael Myers that we knew. I mean, we just had Rob Zombie's Halloween two, which is, barely a Halloween film in terms of Michael Myers actually being there. I mean, you know, he's walking around without his mask on, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a much different take. Um, so yeah, being really excited to see Jamie Lee back, you know, and, and I mean, overall it's, it's, it's scripted well. I mean, it's, it's a, LaRon's word competent, it's, it's a competently made film. So, you know, do it, do I hate it? No. Do I love it? No. I'm kind of middling around that one. 2018. Um, Halloween kills. I also similarly really hated. Um, uh, James is right. I use the word joyless. It's, it's a very joyless, just it's a slog. It's a slog to get through that movie. Um, you know, I made the comparison earlier when we were talking to the final Des- destination films where, I mean, those movies are about Kills, right? Like that's those what those those movies are. Um but you can have fun watching it because it's like it's it's a roller coaster ride. You know, it's it's I mean there's even roller coaster kills in one of them. I think the third one. Um, you know, yes. it's it they're they're like funhouse movies and they're really over the top in the sort of Rube Goldberg way that these these deaths play out in these films. And there's a sense of humor behind it. It's a dark sense of humor, sure. But you know, Halloween kills is is humorless. It's just scene after scene after scene of people dying. Um, and it's not fun. Um, and, and to, to talk to the point that, uh, made that they, all three of these feel like different films, but made by the same person. Um, it really did kind of feel like the, um, special effects department were in charge of Halloween kills. So like, well, you know, let's, I don't know, a fluorescent light bulb death, you know, let's, you know, how many different ways can we come up for Michael to like kill people? Um, and it's just that for like two hours. So wasn't really keen on that one. It just, it felt very soiled soulless and joyless and um yeah now here we are at the the third one
0: yeah so I think uh, similarly to you and Laron um, I, I did like uh Halloween 2018 and James I really like the comparison to the force awakens because I hadn't made the, com- the the connection but my experience with both of those films was pretty similar I was like oh my god force awakens first time I watched it so much fun great to see the old gang back was a little disappointed by the lack of innovation in the story but just the, the sheer idea of having star Wars with those actors on the screen was just such an experience. But then, you know, the longer you think about it, the more it cools off, the, the more you're like, huh oh, do I ever want to rewatch that one? Not really. Like, there's not really a lot there to go back to other than the new characters they introduced, uh, you know, not a lot there. Same with Halloween 2018. I think I revisited it last year before kills and was just, uh, <laughs> just disappointed. It, it just didn't like, I remember really having a great time thinking the kills are really brutal. And I don't know, maybe it's kind of worn tired, but it didn't really add anything new to the Michael Myers. And then especially the mental health piece at the beginning is, uh, Pretty rough. Uh, And I also have to say, disrespect to podcasters. Very, I mean, they made podcasters (laughs) seem predatory in that movie. So come on now. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. I I feel like it's inessential. Like if it it pops up, I'm at a friend's house and we're watching it. Sure, I'll I'll sit down. But I don't think if I – I would rather go back to Halloween 4, for example, and watch that again rather than uh, Halloween 2018. It's more fun.
2: It's more right, exactly. fun to yes that's watch 2018.
0: Halloween Kills, though, Chris, I'm going to disagree. It was not joyless. It was, uh, in fact, hilarious because of how awful it was. Evil dies tonight. That is the that is the legacy I mean, of the movie. That <laughs> is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anytime I can pull that gif or meme out of my pocket, I do. Now, the movie is complete and utter trash. There's no plot. They sideline Lori for the whole movie. It, yeah, I, I could go on. It It's just, it, it felt like... You, Hey, you guys want a slasher movie where he just goes and kills the body counts really high and we make it look really flashy. That's what we got. But there really wasn't even any meaningful sort of thematic follow up in that first film. I'm still pretty cold on it, Ron, I'd say. 30. That's fine. But that does, in fact, bring us to Halloween ends. Chris Schultz, I'm going to throw it back to you. What did you think of this film?
2: Uh, you know, it's OK. I will say that. I, I I think that's where I'm at right now. It's OK. I will say they definitely did try to do something different
0: from the rest of the series.
2: I appreciate the effort. I just don't
0: think it was executed very well. Yeah, I think that's fair. The Ron Chapman?
1: Yeah, I'm of two minds. You know, verbatim what he said, ditto to that. I think as a fan, I was underwhelmed. From the filmmaker-writer standpoint, I'm like, I asked for something different. They gave it to me. It's not what I ordered, but it is something different. It's kind of like just a few things needed to be tweaked for me to really embrace this one you know, the way that I would have liked to. But yeah, I think I'm pretty middle of the road with this one.
0: I know, Laurent, you were really excited because we we had Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis sidelines so much. Were you satisfied with the amount of Laurie Strode?
1: I was fine with Laurie Strode. That's I don't think she's the issue in this film. I I just think just structurally and, and there's just a lot of I felt like we got four different tones here. I think at one point we got a Steel Magnolias movie. We got a little bit of Drive, a little bit of Christine. Um, so or maybe a lot of bit of Christine. Um, so it just it felt like it didn't really know what it wanted to be. It felt like a pick your own adventure and it just felt like weird for that to be pigeonholed into the last chapter when really there's nothing left in this in this story teed up from the first two that needs to be in this third one besides Michael and Lori just having it out which uh, is what was marketed which is what was marketed yeah. and that's fine but it, we did not exactly get that movie we got a different movie James Cooper what did you
3: think
0: of Halloween ends I think I
3: mostly liked
0: it
1: I keep
3: thinking about how the original plan that there was not going to be a Halloween 2 right there was that was never the plan and there's that kind of famous story of Carpenter drunk having to write the script for Halloween 2 and just like, I don't know what the story is and comes up with the, oh, well, Laurie's his sister. That's that's the story. And so that tells me that Halloween 2 shouldn't exist, right? Although I'll say it is the second best in the franchise as far as I'm concerned. And then the plan from there, and you just know it from the ending of Halloween 2, right? Is the is his eyes have been shot out, the fires coming out of his eyes too, because he's also on fire. <laughs> Like, that's it for Michael. And the plan was an anthology. And that's beginning to be what we get in the third film. And this film felt like the fulfilling of that promise because part four was the Akkad family saying, not just saying, but like um, the poster is like, he's back. And it's this giant face on there. And that film even for as kind of somewhat fun as it is like the rooftop scene, I think is incredible in that film, for instance, but like I rewatched it uh, a year ago when um, Daniel Harris was in town. Oh yeah. At Rodeo. And uh, the whole time I just kept thinking, God, I wish I was, I, th- I wish she was showing part five which I- I'm a huge defender of five. It's not, I'm not telling you it's good. I'm just saying we'll defend. Um, but I thought that when you watch part four, it skews way too close to the first film and thusly becomes kind of boring. And I think that speaks to the fact that, like, what real story is there to tell with Michael Myers? And I thought this film at least tried to lean into that. Like, what if you told a series of stories set in Haddonfield um, and you had part of that slasher story with him Inter intersect with, um, new characters, but also maybe some characters from that last time. And it doesn't always work. In fact, I think the weakest parts of this film are like the, like Lori's narration. I just tend to just find like, <laughs> it's nowhere near as bad as the YouTube dialogue and Halloween kills. You know what I'm talking about? I oh mean, yeah. They mm-hmm. speak yeah. like they're on YouTube trailers just yes. <laughs> hate it. Um, Whereas this film, the dialogue seems mostly more organic. I don't love this film. I'm not telling you this is a good film. But I think like Halloween 5 and like Rob Zombie's theatrical cut of Halloween 2, we're, we're trying something a bit different. And I'm I'm here for it.
0: I want to echo the sentiment that's already been shared by the three of y'all, which is I really like that we're trying something different. In fact... There were many times when I was really, really into the, the main thrust of the story, which features a new character. And then they're like, wait a second. This is a Halloween movie. Michael Myers has got to be in it. He, he overshadows this entire film. <laughs> and I think it's it, it's because he really doesn't belong in the, the story they're trying to tell. I love Again, we'll get into it in a more spoiler section, but sort of the thesis, I think it's safe to say this, is what if the damage Michael Myers did was irreparable? It went beyond just murdering people. He infected this town with fear. That's cool. They tried awkwardly and bluntly and poorly, and Halloween (laughs) Kills tried to to approach the same theme of like, oh – the angry lynch mob gets out of control because they're afraid of Michael Myers. This is more the long game because it's set four years later. So what if this fear has festered and what would it do to a town?
2: They shot themselves in the foot with that though. And I, I don't know if we're quite where we should be with, with spoiler talk yet, but the fear that Michael Myers has apparently inflicted upon this town is not at all present. Uh, the, the The fears and the blame have been shifted to another character. Right. Um, and Michael Myers is really not mentioned in terms of like
0: how haunted this town is. It's in incons- how they use him as inconsistent. So I, yes, I agree. So I'll, 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 save more for spoilers, but I'll say that the, the thesis of the movie or one of the theses of the movie and some of the ideas they're playing with and the characters I I'm really into, but the executions totally botched. I think if you take my, it's going to sound crazy, But if you take Michael Myers out of this story and they do things a little differently with the ending, I actually think it's a better movie. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. James, you said they were leaning back in the day, leaning towards the anthology approach with Halloween 3 season of The Witch. I personally think there's way more room for some compelling stories uh, that way. This movie tries to, I think, push it as far as they can before someone, whether it be the Akkad family, whether it be Blumhouse, says, yeah, but people want to see Laurie fight Michael Myers. That said, I feel like it sort of hinders the film overall, but I want to ask about, when I mean, we talk about how well Halloween kills delivered on, you know, the kills and thrills, the slasher films, things that everyone looks for. Do you guys think this film delivers on those things? Do you think people who want to see that are going to be satisfied? The Uh
1: No, I, I felt like, and I don't go just for primal, you know, whatever. Like I, I do look for a story. Um, but I think if we're just specifically talking about that element, um, I think kills delivers on, it gives the buffet of, of of murder and mayhem. Whereas this one such as a much more character driven story, which I don't mind um, in general. Um, I think definitely the deaths was surprisingly, you know, I mean, there's two or three notable ones. I will say pretty cool ones too, that I think are memorable just in the larger, the larger sphere. But I think as a whole, It's pretty light on on the murder. You know, there's a lot more um, dialogue, you know, and and more, like, just conversation, you know, talking out the themes of the movie than there are, you know, actual slasher, like, kills and murders. James,
3: I think it delivers, but, like, I found when I was doing my my ranking on my Instagram stories the other day, uh, and I know we're going to talk rankings later, and I still found myself ranking... Three, six, and five ahead of this one. And I've been like struggling because like any good horror nerd, it's like, well, I don't know. And I keep wondering why. And I think part of it is like, I think a lot of the characters, the new characters this film introduces, like. I just hate like I, I, I know we're supposed to. And that's kind of my problem. Like, I wish there was some depth to to some of those characters so that when they die, there's there's some stakes there's some drama there and so that was really missing so like you know as that was a big problem for me um but well and then the other thing too about halloween five and six as i've been thinking about them like why would i rank those higher um like in so many ways this movie is not a slasher movie right Yeah. yeah and those two films are and they have like one of the most i think uh, important, you know, tropes of the subgenre, which is a chase scene, and that mm-hmm. was really missing here, too. Mm-hmm. And I think, say what you will about The Curse of Michael Myers, I think that chase scene with oh, Kara yeah. Strode is just one of the best things. Mm-hmm. And I think the chase scene in the woods with Tina and Jamie is just incredible in part five. Um, I mean, it's no prom night, but
1: uh, – <laughs> or
3: Sarah Jessica uh, – not Jessica, Sarah Michelle in mm-hmm. I Know What You Did Last Summer. But, no, I mean, let's be real. I think Corey's – are we allowed to say that? Yeah, you can say his name. Okay. Well, am I allowed to say what he does? You yes. can
0: say that he's in the film um, and he's the pro- he's a prominent character.
3: Okay. Let's just say that the, the string of deaths that happen toward the end of the film – I mean, I don't think you can deny, like, those are –
0: Gory and Yeah, there's one in particular that I was pretty impressed by, yeah, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Chris, any other thoughts on the kills? I, I mean, so
2: if if you if you're going into this and and you know, particularly if you liked Halloween kills, um and the, the sort of inventiveness of the of and the goriness and the brutality of the of the deaths in that film, there there are there, you know, towards the end of act two, there are a few that happen. that, you know, if, if you're looking for that, if you're going in for that, you will you'll get what you're, what you came for. Uh, that's it though. I mean, you're not going to get it anywhere else in the film. So if, if you're going, if you really liked Halloween kills and you're going in for more of that, you're not going to get it. I personally felt they, this movie didn't need those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, yeah. I, I, they felt get to bring Rob Zombie into the conversation uh, uh, why? in his Halloween movies. Uh, you know, not, not no. you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but he has a famous quote about the devil's rejects and why he decided to cut the scene of Dr. Satan in the hospital from the film. And he said it's because tonally, the devil's rejects was so different that it felt like, you know, Chewbacca showing up in Bonnie and Clyde. And these kill scenes feel like Chewbacca showing up in Bonnie and Clyde for me. Like they just, they feel tacked on, they feel because, you know, we need really gory, brutal stuff like this to happen in a, this particular series. Cause you know, 2018 was pretty brutal too. All things kind consider. of an obligation. Like they, yeah, to it, put it, it was in obligatory. It felt like, and I don't, I don't think they needed them. Um, so that being said, I mean, they were, they're, they're awful. They're, they're impressive. The, you know, the, the effects on them are, are impressive, but, um, they didn't do much for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think in terms of uh where they fit in the story, I, I would there was one in particular I really I thought was an impressive kill, but yeah, it was completely accent ex- that doesn't really change the the movie in any way. And with it, a character that like we meet briefly and he yeah. Yeah, he yeah. says some mildly
2: nasty things too.
0: Introdu- that's one of those characters introduced with a specific, and even when you when you get introduced to him, you're like, oh, they're gonna kill this guy brutally yeah. at some point.
1: Yeah, obviously. he's too annoying to not. Like, there, got he has to go at yes. some point. Yeah. yeah,
0: well,
3: and again, because I, I as I was listening to Chris, I was thinking of zombies Halloween two remake again. Like the, it's not even fully a chase scene in that film, but the scene with the Daniel Harris um, Annie character. Like, that whole sequence um, from the bathroom to, you know, whatever room he's chasing her into, like, that scene is powerful because we care about her. Mm -hmm. Like, as a complex human being, who I would say in the first film is kind of mean in some ways, but we watch her become this incredibly sympathetic character in that next film so that when that brutal moment happens to her in the second film, it just carries a weight um, and I just wish that was. I wish there were more characters like that in this film who meet those sorts of demises, as opposed to characters who clearly the film, like you just mentioned, there's a character who they just set up to be like, oh yeah, well it's like I mean all of them are like anyone. pretty much
0: most of them that die yeah. brutally are introduced yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so really quickly because we're gonna dive really deep into this in spoilers so I just really for, for those of uh, folks who haven't seen the movie yet. Does the film provide a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy, starting with uh, Halloween 2018? We don't need to go into in-depth here. Again, we're going to talk about that in spoilers for those of you who have seen the film or don't mind to be spoiled. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, the idea
2: that these three films comprise a trilogy at all is just kind of gone at this point. So I'd say no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, um, no. It's it's really uh, – and, and I'll go into more in-depth – with this, but it definitely feels this third film feels like a, a existing script that was shoehorned into this Halloween, this particular Halloween franchise. Um, and, and for what it's trying to do as a standalone film, it's, you know, it's, it's playing with some good ideas. I, I, I think it really could have worked. Um, but yeah, as, as far as a trilogy and a saga goes, no, it did not.
1: Yeah. All right. Leron, I think in the context of the trilogy, no, um, in the context of the entire franchise, it's for me one of the more interesting thematically than um, than a lot of the lackluster. I'm gonna put you
0: on the spot. Is it more interesting than the Cult of Thorn, Leron? <laughs> I'll answer for him. <laughs> <it>. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, here's the, the the problem is, Leron. To your point, though, the, the bar is pretty low. Resurrections is. Really, I mean,
1: yeah. That's unforgivable. That one's unforgivable. This one, at least, is an interesting mess, if not a, you know.
0: Okay. So relative to the whole franchise, this is satisfying. James?
3: I'm going to say yes with an asterisk, and I want to come, when we go into the spoilers, I'll I'll talk more about that. Um, But I will say, so my major problem with the 2018 film is... I don't understand many of the decisions that Danny McBride and Gordon Green are doing because like, well, we're going to wipe the slate clean. It's a direct sequel to Halloween 2 or to Halloween. So we're going to ignore all the sequels, but we're going to make visual references to H2O with the podcasters in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. We're going to I mean, just one by one. We're going to do Halloween kills in a hospital. Um, like all these references, and all the the unfortunate thing about that is all I kept thinking was like, man, the ending of H two O is one of the most satisfying yep. movie theater experiences anyone could have. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that mm-hmm. moment where she like chops that man's head off,
1: and people that, cheered.
3: I mean, it we really yeah, was... it, it, and and the score hits in such a great way, mm-hmm. and that shot of her with the axe and that that final shot, oh, I mean,
2: that's that's powerful. impactful,
3: yeah, powerful. And so then you watch. 2018 and you're like well she's drunk again why are we doing i mean seriously we've already been here what what are we doing they remove the whole she's the sister thing but then find this incredibly convoluted way to like get myers to her house yeah so uh, just in terms of like satisfying conclusions i'm already a bit you're like oh uh (laughs) because i don't i i i'm not really sure why these films exist in some ways except for money money um but I will say, I find, and I, I didn't quite feel this watching it in the theater, but rewatching it today, I think the intimacy of the way he shoots their fight in that kitchen, I think is is really well executed. Sure, um, mm-hmm. I mean, super well executed, um, and in that way, I find that satisfying. But there, I have more to say about that later.
0: I also have more to say about that. I think uh, it's a great sequence that would have fit better in a different movie. That's that's how I would put it. But, um, you know, it's a shame Resurrection really stole H2O's concluding uh, moment yeah. because uh, H2O, I, I think, James, to your point, um, we were talking about this uh, before we started recording. I think, LaRon, you laid out like this ideal track of Halloween 1, 2, and then H2O. It's perfect. It really – I mean like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Halloween 2, maybe not as strong as the original. But I, I thought, you know, when they said they were going to go back and reboot it and it was going to be Laurie wrestling with a sort of PTSD survivor's, Mm-mm. you know, guilt or what, whatnot, I was like, well, well they did that in the Halloween H2O. And initially I was like, oh, this is really visceral. This is the Doomsday Prepper version. So it's a different take. And, and I, I was interested to see where they go with it. But the reality is, especially in this film, without being too specific – she sort of ends up in a very similar place as H2O, but with like a lot of nonsense in between yeah. <laughs> Halloween and, and, yeah. and Halloween ends. So I just – this whole f- series feels pretty unnecessary to me, honestly. Yeah. Even though I thought 2018 was solid, I, I, this whole thing is kind of a mess.
1: And to your point about how it's approached in H2O, I think the PTSD and the all of that – and we talked about this before the podcast, but was that – I felt like that was handled a lot more organically and believably in yes. H2O. Way more nuanced. Yeah. It's yeah. This here, like like you said, the doomsday out in the woods with the whatever feels a little caricature of that that kind of- Over the top. Over the top. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just really hammy in that way. Whereas NH2O just felt like a woman that was truly just- She was haunted. Haunted you know? by his presence. And well, I thought that was it, so much more effective in that one, which is so crazy to think that- H2O of all movies <laughs> is the one that, that, that just works for me. I, I mm-hmm. rewatch that every Halloween cause that one just it's short, it's lean, it's yep. satisfying,
0: but there's, it, but there's still a lot to chew on. It feels like it, mm-hmm. it follows up on the previous films without requiring the audience to have watched mm-hmm. all the
1: other sequels, you know, it's, and I'm emotionally invested. So it's just, yeah.
0: So apparently Jamie
2: Lee Curtis was not happy with how H2O came out, which was part of what inspired her to do 2018 was because mm-hmm. they said, we're going to explore some of these themes that were present, but, Kind of forgotten about. Uh, so you're H2O. saying it's
1: Jamie's fault. I'm not
2: saying it's <laughs> no, Jamie Lee's no, fault. No. I'm simply saying,
3: <laughs> I, I. And I'm sure we'll explore this a little bit more in the spoilers. But I do put some blame at her doorstep.
0: Sure. I think so. Like I think yeah. the
3: the interviews that she and Gordon Green were doing around Halloween Kills were trauma, 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 trauma. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, 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 it's insulting. Um, particularly if you follow those themes through in that film, like, well, what are you saying about mobs and what are you saying about cops? Uh-huh. Right. Oh, I should. That moment where Hawkins in the hospital says to her, I should have shot Michael when he surrendered. Uh-huh. No, he shouldn't have. I'm sorry. And I know that's going to like maybe upset some like horror fans, but really Because Michael's pure evil, man, and and you do, you have to destroy him. It's like, okay, well, let's just put it this way. In Oklahoma, right, just to put on my counselor hat real quick, (laughs) in Oklahoma, we have a shortage of mental health counselors, right, right? We are number one in trauma statistics in the entire country, number one in adverse childhood experiences, number one, of of things happening to people in their childhood that shape them into doing some criminal behaviors as adults. We are number one in incarcerating people as a result of that. The school districts uh, here in Oklahoma City, uh, 12% of our kids are reading at a fourth-grade proficient reading level. Okay, so what happens when – You combine those statistics with the last 40 years of uh, not funding access to mental health care, particularly in your rural parts of Oklahoma. And then, movie wise, on screen, you have your villainous characters be mental health patients. What are you telling people about mental health, particularly when people who have mental health uh, issues are considerably, demonstrably more likely to be victims? of perpetrators of violence so i i i think it's a super dangerous moment in the 2018 or 20 uh, and halloween kills excuse me when hawkins says to laurie i should have shot him because remember in the flashback michael has he is standing there Mm -hmm. right and hawkins like i should have killed him and I, I think that that is part of the problem in this country is there's still so much mental health stigma and and a lack of understanding that every single person should be in therapy. And I believe that strongly because um, you're not just traumatized by your your childhoods sometimes, um, but events traumatize us. We're the home of the bombing. There's 9-11. I don't know how about you all how you've been feeling about the pandemic, right? Uh, <laughs> And don't skip over Trump era. <laughs> like all of that. So there's so much. There's multiple crises, yeah. Did we – did did everyone pay – did they pay for therapy for the, the, the survivors of the Tulsa race massacre? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's so much we've been through and I really worry about the representation of Michael Myers as this embodiment of pure evil. Right. And so I do – and, and you'll hear Jamie Lee Curtis use this sort of language. Yeah. And I just think it's a problem. And, and I think in some ways what it says is I think she has misunderstood that original film. I think that Loomis is kind of a villain in that film. Like he's – He's nuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's out of his mind. Hmm. Um, think about that. Think if, if a psychiatrist or psychologist said, I've been trying to work with this child and I'm just going to give up and I, I think he should be locked away forever. Like put that in real world context. Right. And, and so I, I, I think John Carpenter's Halloween is a critique of that guy Loomis, especially when you go back and you listen to interviews with Carpenter, where he says, and he said this in recent years that Myers for him represents because Carpenter as an adolescent lives in, I believe it's Tennessee, maybe Kentucky, and he was so confused how it was that white people, middle class Christian white people, y'all know this, right? This was like new this. to me about yeah. a few years ago. That middle class Christian white—you've heard this
1: long? Uh, Vaguely, I think. I think. I think. I know where you're going, but yes,
3: middle class Christian white people could, during times of lynchings in the 50s and 60s, kind of just be okay with it. And, and, and be okay with segregation, be okay with Jim Crow segregation, be okay with black people not being able to vote um, to kind of be like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of moderate. Maybe you guys could like slow down. And he was like, how is it possible that someone can appear human and act inhumanly? Right. And that's Michael Myers. And if you do that, if that's the metaphor – yeah. Then what are you – like what's going on then to have these sort of like where we need to shoot him?
0: Well, and I thought – especially you mentioned this uh, in your review for 2018s. And and I think that the part – it really has soured for me too is they make such a big – they they treat a mental hospital like a house of horrors. Yes. At the beginning. You know, it's, yeah. it's not, oh, man, these people need help. It's – these guys are crazy. They're going to try to kill you. You know, it's, uh, it's it's not great. It's very lazy. You You got, you got that in the
2: 78 film too, a little bit like the, the shot of like when Michael has escaped and like the, the, the mental health patients are just sort of roaming around like cattle. Like they're not people. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's tough to see. But like, and this doesn't excuse it really, but it's like, that's 1978. You know what I mean? Like, like we made mistakes. We've, we've been making mistakes. We're still making mistakes in (laughs) cinema, but, but you know, that was
0: 1978. We're talking 2018. And we, not only have we not made progress, we've like, we're the movie, the statement the movie is making is that we're doubling down on the fact that he is pure evil. Yes. And this movie, which we'll get into in spoilers is like, yeah, he's pure evil. Like, there's no ambiguity. He has to go. And again, stemming from the f- idea that he is a mental health p- patient is you know, it's kind of concerning. And, um, you know, I know horror has often been associated. A lot of horror is uh, framed through a conservative lens. Uh, you know. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, people have sex or do drugs. They get murdered. You know, things of that nature. It's just, uh, I guess, the, the lack of progress is uh, pretty, pretty disturbing and disappointing. Well,
3: and when you go back, it's not just... We're film making the mistake with 1978 because like for all of carpenter's arguably progressive commentary with that film, uh as Chris is pointing out, like the the representation of mental health patients at the beginning and I don't even want to talk about mental health patients I just I, I, I want to say people with mental health yes <laughs> like yeah. issues, concerns, yeah. concerns issues, yeah. right traumas um even for all that, like the the field of psychology was not nowhere near where it is today. in it's understanding of trauma healing from trauma. And so in that way, you can almost kind of forgive Carpenter in that film, because yeah. that is kind of how a lot of these folk would talk about um, people with mental health. Well, and it was uh, just concerns.
2: sort of di- like, give them enough Thorazine yeah. that they can't function and let them rot. And but where was we kind of the,
1: but where we are with mental health awareness now, the conversation, the discourse around that, it, it's almost like, We we know better now. We should. We should know
3: better. And Jamie Lee Curtis and David Gordon Green should know better too. But I would all when we get into the spoilers, (laughs) I would suggest to you that this film almost gets it. Like I think it gets closer. I I, I think the Corey Cunningham character
0: almost gets it. Yep. The exploration of trauma in this film is so much more nuanced and eloquent than the last two films. Even though, even though it doesn't get all the way there. No, it, (laughs) it is. Closer, though. (laughs) E forever. Uh, Speaking of letters, uh, let's get into letter (laughs) grades here. Uh, So this is a two-part question. I want to go around the table and get a letter grade from each of you. What letter grade? So for those of you who uh, uh, remember the school grades, it's A, B, C, D. Uh, We skip E for some reason. Go to F. Pluses and minuses are allowed. Also, I want to get follow-up thought. Where would you rank this in the series? If you have provided a full 13 movie rating, you're welcome to put it out there. I didn't
1: do that, but you I did not write that down,
0: but, mm-hmm. but if you have one ready and you want to go through it, that's cool. Uh, otherwise, just more generally like, uh, oh, this is in the, the top or the middle or the, the bottom more than likely Leron <laughs> Chapman. I'll start with you.
1: I think currently I'm at a, a, a solid C smacked out in the middle, not a minus or plus. I think I could warm to a B minus. I don't think it'll ever go beyond that. Um, but that's – and I think that's uh, – as I'm talking about it now, as we're talking about it, you know, all these different things with it, I feel like I could theoretically like this one a lot more. I did see it twice. I liked it more the second time. Maybe with some time – some distance away from it, I could warm to a higher degree. But right now it's in the middle. I think that um, as far as ranking, Resurrections is going gonna, is gonna to remain the bottom of the barrel for me. Um, I think Rob, Rob Zombie's second film will be there right underneath it. Um, and I, I just, this one is definitely, I'm sorry, James, uh, five is next. <laughs> um, oh my God. and then as, as we keep going on, it's somewhere in between there. I definitely think one 2 H2O and, you know, I'll split hairs with four and six, you know, um, but it's, it's underneath those and above the three that I mentioned at the bottom. So, so it's a uh, lower middle. Lower middle, yeah. Lower middle, yeah. Lower middle. Okay,
0: James, I, I saw some reactions there. <laughs> you know, what letter grade would you give this, and uh, how would you rank it? <sighs> I'm. Before I say
3: this, I just want you to know that when I left the theater, um, I don't think I would have said what I'm about to say. But as I thought about it more, I think I'm in a pretty solid B minus B. Okay. okay. Like, again, the narration stuff with Laurie, I find like pretty unforgivable. <laughs> um, I think there's a there's, but the dialogue is such an improvement on kills. Yes, it's such yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. an improvement on kills. Um, I think just the opening scene alone. Oh yeah. The, the cinematography. Um, That's great. The and I think that scene, and I know we'll go into it later, but I think that scene. I wish there had been more like that in the rest of the film before we even, I mean, already it already slow burns, but I wish there were more moments. Like the way the kid is talking about Michael Myers haunting mm. and out there, I wish that had kept going more. Mm. But I just think the way that that opening hits is so good, is so good. And then to have the credits. Be the font from Halloween, the season of the witch, telling you right then. It's like, no, this is not going to be <laughs> – this is not going to be a traditional Halloween film. I just – I think that's so neat. I mostly enjoyed this film. Okay, so ranking-wise. So <laughs> Halloween, of course. Halloween 2. H2O. I would say then it – I think it just kind of blurs for me. Like maybe it's Curse of Michael Myers. Maybe it's h uh, Halloween two, the theatrical version, maybe then it's Halloween three, and I think I would just kind of interchange those at different points, and then I think you get to ends. Like I think ends, and I actually think in terms of the references this film is making, it's making references to three and six more strongly, and so I, when I think of it in that way, I I feel like I have to put three and six ahead of it. Only because I don't, you can't get this film without those two films. Yeah. Especially think of like the opening where the little boy, the mom saying like, you know, he just hears voices. I'm like, what does that sound like? (laughs) Little boy in six. Right. Um, And then putting five ahead of it makes sense to me insofar as like this film fulfilled the promise and we'll head into the spoilers. I know, but it fulfilled the, the promise of the ending of part four.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Sure. It, yes. It, it,
3: yep. And, yep. and so I have to until that. it didn't. Until, until it, <laughs> it didn't. Well, <laughs> it was so close. But it, it, yeah, it, I I I'm way more forgiving, I think Michael does belong in this film. Um, and we'll talk about that later. But I, I just think that three and 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 five and six were already. The, you can't have this film without it, and then everything from there is just like kind of hit or miss for me. All right.
2: Okay, Christopher Schultz. I'm in more of the C, maybe almost leaning to a D camp personally for this film. Um, mostly because, and again, I will get more into this, uh, as we get into the spoilery section, but, um, this movie is obsessed with David Lynch. Um, like very obsessed with David Lynch and there are hard references to David Lynch's work, primarily blue velvet and fire walk with me. Um, and a little bit of like twin peaks, the return is in there too. Um, and I felt more annoyed by that than charmed. by it. <laughs> Maybe that's just the frame of mind I'm in right now. Um, I might be fine later, but I, I did, I did sort of like, Oh God, okay, here's another David Lynch. Writer. And I love David Lynch. Don't get me wrong. It's not because like I hated seeing it. Um, I don't know why. Um, I, I, I was also not that familiar with David Gordon Green, and Danny McBride other than righteous gemstones and, um, vice principles, which are two shows I actually really like. Um, but outside of that, I'm like, what else has this guy done? I've never actually looked it up. And I saw that he directed pineapple express and your highness. And those are two of the most atrocious movies
0: ever made. So (laughs) those are fighting words for certain people on pineapple express. Now I don't think anyone's going to
1: defend your highness. No, no, your highness. (laughs) We'll talk about pineapple express. later.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Um, I, I was not a fan, but, (laughs) um, so yeah, I don't know if I'm just like annoyed by external factors and, and I'm just in a weird place of mind, but like, I'm warming up to the movie more as we're talking about it. Um, I'll say that. But um, yeah, C... I'm going to say C. Sorry, that was a long-winded way of saying I'm going to give it a C. In terms of the overall franchise, again, I'm kind of... I'm in this place where I just, like, I'm so tired of thinking about franchises and, like, calling films IP and, and that kind of thing. Like, I'm just... One, one by one. Let's take them one at a time and let's, you know, judge them based on their own merits, uh, regardless of like what the overall franchise. But that being said, I'll still play the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously uh, the original Halloween is a classic for a reason, for reasons well outside of like the bloated lore and the franchise and everything that they've mm-hmm. done for better or for worse. Um, so, yeah, obviously that's a very well-made film. It has its problems too, but – it is a classic for a reason. So obviously that's the number one. I don't think anyone's ever going to rank in any of the other films above that one. Maybe three. Uh, <laughs> maybe three. Uh, that being said, I think I would put Halloween 3 next. I hmm. do rather like that movie. Um, it's It's silly. It's goofy. It's exactly just the kind of like Halloween fun with like some genuinely terrifying stuff happening in it. I think it's done particularly well. I would say probably H2O after that. Um, I, I'm Halloween four is just a personal favorite of mine. It was actually the first Halloween movie I ever saw. So I think that's part of why it, it, I, I'm, I, am i am very much endeared to that movie. So I would put that one next Uh, probably six. Then after that, maybe five, you know, Change them out. Um and then I guess the the, the Rob Zombie b- movies are there too. I don't know where I forgot where I put ends in that, but it's it's somewhere in the middle. I
1: don't <laughs> know. There's I, too many. There's thirteen. There, there are thirteen. Are 13. That's why I was so like, weird.
0: we're not gonna do thirteen. I mean, uh, we did the Fast and the Furious at nine, and that was <laughs> that was honestly probably too much. But are yeah. we
1: all
3: clear that resurrection is unwatchable?
0: Yeah. It's the yes.
2: it's all it's the bottom. Okay. It's yeah. the it's bottom. the absolute bottom. It's I, just a dreadful, dreadful movie. It, it ruins, just, it
0: ruins H2O. It, it right. doesn't say anything meaningful. That's the, and that's that's the main
1: reason is it, it ruins a, a really good one. Well,
2: and, and, and again, separate it out from the rest of the movies, right? Look at it as just a movie on its own. It's just bad. It's, it's, inc- it's so terrible. It's, it's kind of incompetent. It's like, yeah, it's, it like it, 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 the original idea was to make a found footage. Michael Myers movie. That was the original idea. And you see aspects of that in it. Okay. <laughs> but even if you go back to the original idea of like, okay, I mean, so it's, I mean, anything can be garden variety and that is garden variety even, yeah. you know, d- disengage from the
0: lore of Michael Myers. It's just, it's just, a, it's just rock, a bad movie. It's it's rock bottom. It doesn't add anything new. It actively like Laurent takes away from the previous film, which yeah. is always really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also um, he, he behead someone with a kitchen knife. You can't do that. That doesn't,
2: that's not how that works. You can't behead someone with just swiping a butcher knife once. That's not how that works.
0: Unless you're Michael Myers, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to give this a C honestly. The reason being the conversation that we're having, if I walking out of the theater, I, w- I probably would have gone like a D plus C minus, but I do really admire that. There's interesting things happening here. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. And the conversation around this, I think, is going to be a lot more compelling than Kills because I don't think I've met a single person who likes Kills. I don't think Kills has, even though it has some interesting ideas sprinkled throughout, they're all executed so poorly and and dumbly like that that people aren't talking about it. So I do think that this is going to be one of those that, you know, maybe five, ten years from now. We'll still be having conversations about it to a certain degree. Yeah, that was the weird one. Here's what was interesting. And in that will be its
1: legacy, and that's fine. And that's, that's totally that's fine. so much more interesting, though.
0: So. And because of that, it gets a C for me. I rank it, uh, yeah, pretty in the middle. I go, yeah, we. I, th- I think I'm in alignment with uh, LeBron, uh and James. Uh, Halloween 1, the original Halloween 2, H2O. I'd probably put 3 after that, then 4. 4 is also a personal mm-hmm. favorite of mine. It's silly. It's just well-made. That's really the thing. And it's fun. It, but it is also kind of like I'll admit that I, maybe I have nostalgic goggle, nostalgic
2: goggles for it. Like
0: I'll, I'll fully same that. same. It was on. It was one of the ones they played on AMC Horror Fest when I was a kid. Like every like yep. two hours it seemed like. Yep. Uh, so I, I like that one. I probably then probably Curse of Michael Myers. Then then we get into the Rob Zombie one and two somewhere. Then five. Then this. <laughs> and then, well, then Halloween twenty eighteen. Then this, then, then yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's lower middle, mm. lower middle for me, but still, the kills and resurrection are at the bottom. Of the oh, for every Eve. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No brainer. Now, with that said, sounds like we're pretty mixed bag on it. Do you guys have any uh, other form of media you'd like to recommend to listeners who either enjoy Halloween ends or something they should read, watch, play? Instead of Halloween ends,
1: <laughs> LeRon. I think Christine. You know, David Gordon Green said that you know, a huge inspiration for him. When he was making this movie was he was watching Christine and then Carpenter's early work. He actually got permission for him. He's like, does this script sound a little too much like yours? And in retrospect, now I'm thinking about it, the whole Corey. Well, we're going. We're not. We're still not in spoiler section yet. But the whole subplot that's added into this particular one is very much swap out. Swap out Michael Myers for a possessed car and you'll see you'll see that this movie has the blueprint narratively for that pretty even even how the film concludes is 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 a direct that it happens the exact same way let's just put it that way and Corey Cunningham. Army, Army Cunningham is the name of the character. It's there, guys. Just watch that film. Okay. So,
0: so, so watch, uh, watch Wait, Christine. Christine. Okay, yeah. it's a fun film. I wonder right? What okay. Stephen King thinks about all this? <laughs> he actually said is. he, the movie, he liked it. He liked it on Twitter. He said it was a
1: fun movie. Yeah, okay. he was yeah. like a character-driven slasher movie. He was like, give me more. So that was. Oh was come very... on, like, that
0: hasn't been. Come on,
1: King. right? Come on, dude.
0: Let's <laughs> be. <Right. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to movies, and and
1: God, Stephen
0: King, you know, when it comes to movies, his taste are a little I, different. D- I do
2: rather enjoy that man. I grew up reading him, yes. um, but I mean, he's also sub. His taste
1: are everywhere he, though, he, that to be yeah, fair.
0: And, and specifically with right. the movies, like I like the novels, but like his, uh, yeah, his movies are yeah, kind of all over the place. But uh, yeah. James, what would you recommend to listeners instead of or uh, along with Halloween ends?
3: I mean, some of them have already been noted. I wouldn't say instead of. I should have known I was going to be the defender. <laughs> but I wasn't, again, I just can't stress enough. That is not how my best friend Randy and- his girlfriend Liz, that's not how the three of us walked out of this movie Wednesday yep. night. Mm-hmm. We were, we were all like, I just want a straight ahead slasher now. Like what? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I think it's, compa- I, so yes. So defending, but the, um, the movies, I think, yeah. Like, and I kept thinking about it when Randy and Liz were in that parking lot in Bricktown that night with me, I was like, what does this feel like? I've had this feeling before it's Rob Zombie's H2 right because it's very similar in terms very of like similar. how little michael is in the film um i think halloween 3 and i think halloween 6 so i think to really appreciate this film those are the main references i think you're christine i did not know any of the i tried to avoid that's yeah i try a i don't watch trailers anymore good uh and well. i was so happy i had not i watched the trailer for this after i saw it and i was like are you are you fucking kidding me? Like y'all they put lied that you. in they lied to trailer? <laughs> Um, But um, I think I hadn't even thought about Lynch until Chris was texting me yesterday, but now it's like, Oh, the fonts, not only Halloween three, but it's, it's twin peaks, fire walk with Firewalk me. With yeah. me. Um, but I think those are sort of the main references. I didn't know any of the Christine stuff. Um, I have a lot to say about that in the next section. Okay. okay. Chris,
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, honestly, if you, I mean, this is this photography wise, cinematography wise, this is a beautiful film. Like it, it it is beautifully shot. Um, that's, that is one of the best things about it. And I actually, I legit love the score, Mm -hmm. um, Carpenter score. I think this is the best one out of the three so far, like, um, you know, outside of the, like the original, this is, this is a really good score. Um, and, and, and yeah. So, I mean, the, the visual references to Lynch, like I, like blue velvet and firewalk with me. Um, and thematically we'll get into that a little bit more, but, uh, thematically those, those are relevant. Um, I think, um, as James mentioned within the Halloween series itself, rewatch those. Um, and I would also say, uh, again, we're, we're, we're getting closer and closer to spoiler territory, <laughs> but there is a, uh, it's from Denmark, I think. It's a slasher film called Cub. Really, really good sort of like latter-day slasher. is made in like 2014 or something like that. And again, thematically, very similar to what's going on in this film. So it's called Cub, or I think um, – is it Cub? I'm looking at Caleb like he knows what I'm talking about. I'm gonna, I'll
0: verify it in the show notes.
2: <laughs> it's either called cl- Cub or – oh, uh, uh, Whelp is the um, – Danish. I don't remember what guy, it's, it's. I don't remember what country it's actually from. I'm being offensive, uh, but the uh, international film. Yes, the international, not American film international film,
0: whose original title is "Welp," translated to "Cub." Mm. Okay, I'm gonna check that out. Actually, it's actually a really good film. So, two lines of thought on my recommendations here. Number one, if you want to watch a sequel that explores trauma and how it can manifest itself through. Multiple people and sort of echo through generations. Movie almost no one saw. Doctor Sleep. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is long. I will say it's like two hours and thirty minutes long. Probably could have been a little shorter, but uh, it's a sequel to The Shining. That what's that? What, what's the, the Shining? Shining? Yeah, I know, yeah. I don't I know. Never uh, heard uh, class. That. Speaking of Stephen King,
3: The Shining. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember <laughs> that from
0: <laughs> The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> the Shining. Love that segment oh, so much. God. So good. <laughs> uh, Man, I, I could use some Simpsons right now. <laughs> I, but I just want to throw that out there because it's it, people don't see it, and it really does, I, I think, deal with Danny, what sort of the impact of that situation had on him growing up and him as a person, as an adult, and how he sort of handles it both personally and to sort of like the his next of kin, so to speak. I recommend it. It's not The Shining 2.0, and that's another reason I like it. It's a it's sequel that's doing something fundamentally different. If you want to look at other weird horror sequels, some of which I think... Uh, have led to some pretty powerful conversations and retro and have uh, aged. Well, uh, nightmare on Elm street, part two, a movie that I, I don't think people Love appreciated when it came out as much, but there's a lot of things to be said about it. A lot of discussions oh, yeah. to be had best case scenario for Halloween ends is it's one of those, but we're still talking about it and you're like, well, it was on to all the stuff that we didn't really see at the time. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. best case scenario.
2: I mean, if there, if there is a strong gay undercurrent that we've s- discover in Halloween, Ends, <laughs> I will really be into it. I James, you think so?
1: I felt something. I, as yeah. I said, we'll talk. We'll talk. You know,
2: I, I, I came out of my mouth and I was like, oh,
3: actually, <laughs> yeah. Yep, see. Yep. Okay. I mean, oh, see, that's just, what I'm saying. Just All right.
1: Be, be we ready. are everywhere, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we have always been here. We've been <laughs> your movies, your kids, your children. No, let me stop. <laughs> I'd also throw out. I'm not
0: saying this is good. I'm just saying if you like sequels that have a very different take on your fundamental iconic slasher, uh, you go watch uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Yeah, it's not good, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting. It's my
3: best friend Randy's. I think it's besides Part One, which he will quote to you word for word. Part Five is his favorite. Wow. Okay.
0: That's that is so
3: interesting to me. Oh, I could be misrepresenting him because I feel like maybe he loves Four a lot, but Five is like
0: high, pretty high up 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 there. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I again. I don't think that my recollection is it's not great, but man, I was thinking about that movie for days. I'm still thinking about it. The
2: scene with the guy—he's eating the the chocolate bar, and then there's the guy who's chopping wood. Like that's that that's a legit like what we were talking about. Like like characters that you really kind of feel for, and you feel bad for when they die. Like I I feel real like that's an effective scene. Like that's Mm -hmm. it's shocking, but it's just like, oh my god, this this Mm -hmm. maniac just chopped this kid in the back. You know, like it's
0: it's awful. And you feel for him, or <laughs> if you if you like a different take on a and again an iconic slasher, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. We have teased it for far too long. Let's go <laughs> ahead and get to the spoiler section. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Halloween ends, go ahead and tune out now.
1: It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon. And remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it. And don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time.
0: All right. So, I have in the spoiler section a few things I wanted to put out there. So, let's start by talking about. Both this trilogy, but more specifically, this film's theme, I guess you would say, uh, the, the corrupting influence of fear and evil. I think it's the consistent thing, especially in these two sequels, Kills and Ends. Uh, but despite what the marketing materials have led us to believe, uh, Laurie's showdown with Michael is a very, very small part of this film. Literally the last 15 minutes. of It's movie. an afterthought. It really? feels like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Halloween Ends instead centers on Corey Cunningham, who is a... Person who is bullied and the sort of boogeyman energy that was once on Michael Myers is channeled onto him after he accidentally kills a kid he's babysitting because that kid was being a little shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to like throw this out there and see what you all's take is. What story do we think that David Gordon Green and team are aiming to tell with this sort of shift in perspective. Cause again, Michael Myers really, I would say more than anything, I wouldn't even say bookends cause he's not in the beginning. He shows up early in the movie towards the end of the first act. And then again in the third act, but he's really not in the movie outside of, of those, those times he's, yeah, he's briefly in the, um,
2: uh, another kill scene of that reminded me a lot of Martin, actually the George Romero film from 1972 with the, the, plate glass, like big plate glass windows. Um, and he's, he's dressed kind of in black and he's on sort of the outside watching Michael Myers do a Bob on this nameless nurse character. Um, that I, 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 she has a name, but I don't remember. Nurse Deb. Nurse Deb. (laughs) Deb.
3: It's Deb. Deb It is Deb. Oh, I I was, I was was on IMDb earlier. (laughs) Only reason I know that.
0: Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm being I, I, okay. I'm just gonna throw out the. I'll, how about this? I'm gonna throw out what I think, and I want you all to tell oh. me why I'm wrong, or why I'm wrong, right, or why what I say needs to be tweaked, and we can go from there. Because I, the thing I find most compelling about this movie is the idea that Michael Meyer, the, Michael Myers's greatest legacy is how much he has terrified this town so much that people are willing to create other boogeymen, uh mm. to to sort of be the, the target of their fear. They are looking, this fear is created because he goes on a killing spree and they're constantly trying to find other people to, to pass along to again, kills in a horrible, dumb, bad manner. Tries to, I think tries I to capture this with the, the, the angry mob, but they do it in a much more sophisticated way in this by trying to personify it with Corey. Okay. So Corey accidentally kills this kid a year later and, And now he's the monster. So the whole town's going to hate on him. They're also apparently pissed off at Lori for getting over it. I guess it's kind of weird. But I I like this idea that it gets into this nature versus nurture on Corey. Is Corey inherently evil? Is it because the town's trying to turn him into a boogeyman? And only when he, he does not fully embrace his sort of evil side until he comes into contact with Michael Myers. There's lots to unpack here. But I think the idea is that... Evil is a. Uh, the town has been traumatized, and this trauma is directly impacting individuals and the way that people think about other individuals in the town. Before Michael just shows up at the end and kills Corey, and then think it's killed. I mean, <laughs> which feels like a totally different movie. But I don't know. What do you guys? What is your take on the Corey story, LeRon?
1: Um, I, I like it as an idea, but the, my issue is that I've always liked the idea of Michael being this manifestation or personification of evil as a metaphor. Here it takes it literally. And right. so it, it plays with that or it jumps back. It's not consistent with its messaging. It feels very much like, um, I mean, there seems to be a literal transference almost of evil here, like when they're first introduced, which I also feel is kind of haphazardly done because he's not chosen. He just happy he's thrown down there and he happens to be by the well that Michael Myers is at. So that shows really, very, very convenient. I was always very curious to but, see how that was going to come together. But
0: by the way, Michael Myers, who has apparently just been living here for four years in the, the sewers for four years,
1: surviving off of rats that we never get to see him eat. And I, I begged for that scene. It didn't happen.
0: Again, very uh, reminiscent of Halloween five where he like just apparently stayed around for one year in some dude's house. But yeah, anyway,
1: I like it as an idea. I would just wish it was fleshed out better. It again, feels very shoehorned into the concluding chapter of a series that did not introduce this, you know, in the two earlier iterations. So it just feels like, um, if they were going to tell this story, Corey should have been in two or two shouldn't exist. And this should all just be one film. It just feels like we got four movies in this three series trilogy, but they're they're pigeonholed into the last two films. Mm-hmm. So I'm not opposed to the Corey um, subplot. I just feel like I wish it was more organically woven into this trilogy um, because the first two are very Laurie Strode, Michael Myers heavy. That is the through line. That is the story that we're telling. And then this one feels like let's have a broader conversation about evil. But it seems like a little too late at this point for me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, because I think I think my thing is I love the idea that the third movie it theoretically the third movie Michael Myers is not he is maybe the ending of this movie where he gets chopped up into little pieces in a yeah, they, they, they definitively kill him feels like it would be a better ending to kills. Mm hmm. And then we get this movie afterwards where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah he's gone. But but this beca- is the because of, of the that. impact he had on the town, th- this is like how they, they think about other people. Yeah. They find someone to, to call the boogeyman and all of a sudden that's where the transference of energy goes. But that, that the movie hints at that. But there's all these weird plot holes and nonsensical like gym, mental gymnastics you have to do about the fact that Michael Myers is still out there. And they just act like he's not a big deal. James, you're being quiet but nodding your head. What, what are you thinking? About the use of Corey.
3: Okay, there's so much I want to say, but I think my main problem with this film um, is the death, the actual death of Michael Myers, and the procession at the end. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is my problem. It's 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 not unique to Halloween. It's uh, are y'all familiar with the um, the French philosopher? Rene Girard. Mm-hmm. And, okay, good, good, good. So I just find all of his understanding of how myth works at play here, and the scapegoating mechanism. Right, like we're the, where the community rallies around the um, the death, right, the sacrifice of a, a figure who it has seen as divisive, um, a guilty party in this sort of way that through that death. The community is able to um, heal, mm-hmm. and so as I was watching it the second time, I could only hear Gerard in my head. Right? You, you can see, you see what I'm saying here. Like, I mean, and it's so much. It's it's in the dialogue in the film, right? Um, in fact, Laurie's kind of closing uh, narration is where she talks about, and then the town had its resolve. Okay. Well, that is just textbook myth, right? Mm. Like through the death of the king, you know, um, we, we were able to come together here. Well, I hate when a story does that, right? Because that sort of sacrificing body, my understanding, at least people who take Girard's work seriously, which I, he does not take his own work seriously. He, he likes the scapegoating mechanism, right? He thinks that society's that's how they resolve conflict. Otherwise, we would constantly be at war with one another. So we have to have the scapegoat. And I, I just think that's a huge problem when you have a scapegoat because that's how we get Hitler with the Jews. That's how you Trump. get – I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah. It just is what it is. So I think that's a problem. I'm more forgiving when it comes to a, its presence in some ways in a story because I do take seriously that kind of ancient Greek idea of like catharsis, the idea that like – Maybe we work out that tendency towards scapegoating and toward violence through the story and it purges it from us doing it in real life. I say almost forgiving because I actually kind of come to the opposite belief where I think when we see that play out in a story, I think it reinforces for the society to keep scapegoating. Like Mm -hmm. that violence is how you resolve your, your social conflicts or your interpersonal conflicts. And as somebody – as a student of nonviolence, a student of Jesus, uh, and a student of Martin Luther King uh, Jr., like I, I – and Clara Looper, Oklahoma Zone, Like mm-hmm. the woman who did these nonviolent protests with her students to desegregate um, essentially Oklahoma City. Um, I just – I have a hard time when a story uses violence to resolve its central conflict. And I think the and, – and the fact that they literally – have his kind of arms outstretched on the roof of that car as they're, you know, wheeling his dead body through the town, I think is is it's very Jesus-y and very much a problem. Now, I, I, I said I have a lot here. So that's one thing that I think is a problem yes. because I think it gives the characters in the film, I don't know what lesson they've really learned then because it strikes me That, so Gerard's one thing to kind of bring up there, but then I think we have to talk about trauma and intergenerational trauma, especially since Lori, oh, not Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis and David Gordon Green insist that we do. (laughs) Um, But if you go, I, I think that the problem with the scapegoating mechanism here is that it allows the characters in the film and maybe us as the spectators to ignore, kind of to your nature nurture question, well, there was already a rot. In Hatton right, mm-hmm. and it's Correct. not Michael, right? Yeah. Michael, yeah. that I, I think we, I think that's to miss something, right? Because when you go back and you watch the moment where the mother, Joan, I believe is her name, Corey's mom, as he's falling in love with Laura, uh, uh, Allison, and he's going to take off with her, and she slaps him, and she's already been like chastising him the mm-hmm. whole time in this right. sort of like no boundary sort of way. When, after she slaps him she leans in kisses him on the lips yeah, yeah on the odd. lips mm-hmm. and that starts sending some signals to me like has this woman touched this her child sexually i i it just it it, it was it, weird it, 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 the, yeah. the 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 fact that he struggles to be in a relationship with Allison the fact that he's already a bit awkward at the beginning of the film i I just wonder the level, especially in a subgenre that deals with sexual repression, like what's going on with that character. Um, so
0: yeah, I'll just kind of stop there for now.
3: I I just, I, I, that's kind of on my mind.
0: I really appreciate you diving into that and, and digging a little deeper on this idea of uh, the scapegoat, because I think that's my bigger, one of my bigger issues is the, it, the film concludes with, all right, we, we killed this guy. We paraded him around the town so everyone could see. And we, we held a, a whole ceremony where they they literally disintegrate his body, and that feels gross to me. Number one, and, and number two, again, I think we've. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, here's how you write a movie. I know it's not easy. I know it's complicated, but I really think that would have been a great. Even though Halloween Kills was a disaster, if they had put that scene in two, and the follow up in three is, oh, but the evil's still here. Mm-hmm. Like like that is, a, mm-hmm. and 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 then Corey becomes the, is the main character and we sort of follow that that plot line and and the the, the curse of Michael Myers in quotes I know to, to sort of echo that film is is not some supernatural cult yeah. it is fear it's a, a very real thing and and just because you you kill one boogeyman it's not the evil's defeated it's not that simple you write a little book and it's done it's it's still out there the people who seem to be in an economic downturn as a lot of uh you know rural America it, is these days that's not going to go away it's not over and for the film to end the way it does as the conclusion of the trilogy really rings just hollow for me because of the sort of the scapegoat mechanism that you're you're talking about here
1: it had four or five six maybe writers on this one it needed four more and we could have just swapped <laughs> some of these ideas out but no i agree with you i think too it's kind of it's short-sighted in that messaging because like as we mentioned even in the the Trump era here you know like Trump wasn't wasn't the problem. He revealed the problem. You know what I mean? And now he's not the president and the poison of Trumpism still exists here. Yep, it's still right. present. He
2: didn't invent these. He didn't invent these things. He, he, these things. he
1: became the, the Michael Myers of these things. And so it feels very much like we're still dealing with the, the aftermath of that. Cause it was always here. It was always present. Right. He just, he just brought it out of us. So, um, I wish it was a little bit more sensitive in its messaging with that because, as you said, it's a little too convenient and too hallmarky in a way. Yes. Um, to have Laurie Strode, which this was her – she made the decision that she wanted to end the movie with her on the stairs of her house, on the porch of her house, and, and had this happy – like you because know, it's how Halloween 1 kind of saw her, this out- outlook of my – I get that from a sentimental standpoint, but it just brings – Emotionally false. You know what I mean? Like, um, in terms of any. After form she, of she
0: dedicated most of her life to killing Michael Myers, were he to ever show up again? Yeah. It, is it really. That easy to go back to living a suburban life and everything's fine?
1: You write a well, book in four good. years. She forgot about Judy Greer, and so I mean, I guess she. Could.
0: Well, that, that's another thing. Again, I'm not sitting here trying to rewrite the the, the, the franchise, sure.
1: but I just that was thing that was weird. <laughs> no,
0: <yeah. laughs> It's just weird because if Michael was dead at the end of Kills, it would her being able to a be at peace about her daughter's death, uh, be like kind of try to start over makes a little more sense to me. Versus here, it's like it doesn't ring true. At the beginning and it makes the ending feel extra hollow and just a little icky, icky to me at least.
3: Well, and like, so you already have from Corey, this, this, his house. It's not a, it's not a mentally well house, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's clearly some undiagnosed trauma and mental health stuff going on in the Cunningham house on the one hand. On the other hand, not on the other hand, at the same time, if you go back and you pay real close attention to the dialogue and the mannerisms of Mr. and Mrs. Allen at the beginning of the film, like, there's moments where she's talking to him, to Corey, and she'll ask him a question, but then she just immediately is, like, yelling upstairs to the child. And so she's not really present in a way that Uh um, anyone who, you know, is not – Kind of a bit in narcissism land. You know what I mean? Oh, right. So, so, and then now think of their house too. It's like this well-to-do upper middle class house, strongly upper middle class house. And so I feel like then the way her child is behaving, yeah, you can blame – she blames it on like, well, you know that Michael Myers stuff from last year. But there's something uh, off um, about that family and blaming Corey for the child's death is kind of a way to, like, scapegoat there, right? right. Mm-hmm. But something's already wrong. And I guess it's kind of to your point about, like, the economic hardships of town. like, And this just goes back to my earlier comment, like, everyone should be in therapy. Like, I really – I stand by that. Right. And I think that the film elides that by killing Michael. And, then it, and I think what it ends up doing is it lets the audience off the hook. Well, we killed Michael. That's what evil is. And it's like, no, like, that's – evil is – We enact evil on each other as a result of, uh, undiagnosed traumas, um, that have been passed. And we now know also it's passed down neurologically, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know that we know that when a parent experiences trauma in their own life and it's not, they don't learn to manage it. They don't go to therapy. It passes down through the DNA. We know that, um, and so I, my guess is a good chunk of Haddonfield is is, oh, yeah. is living through that, you know. Um, and, you know, there's a, a major question here. And I've always been skeptical of this reading of the first Halloween. But maybe I'm starting to come around to it. But I remember someone once kind of asking, like, well, why does Michael kill his sister? Like, it, you know, like, what – what? it's easy – the easier reading in that film is like, oh, he's stalking Lori because she looks like his sister. That That I understand. But why does he kill his naked sister, right? And the psychoanalytic readings always said, well, he's misunderstood violence for sex or sex for violence. Okay. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Like literally why? Like what has gone on in that house? And so a reading I heard a few years ago was like, I don't know. What did his sister do to him? What did his mom do to him? What did?" It? And I don't know. I I've I'll tend to reject that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But something's off. Like, like yeah. And so it just makes me wonder, like, why is Michael – what he's, what he is, and so then I become more forgiving. A, I don't think he's transferring. I mean, the movie kind of elides this, but I don't think he's transferring things, right? Because when it goes into it, Corey's eyes as Michael's choking him it's all Corey's experiences. It's not Michael's. That's true. Right. That's a good point. And I missed that when I saw it the first time I Mm -hmm. thought, Ooh, he's like transferring. It's all his memories, but it's all him. And so it's kind of makes me think this is like an old man, Logan kind of Wolverine thing Hmm. where like Michael's just this, like, you know, he, he, he acted compulsively, but he's not just like evil doing the devil's work.
2: Well, and that's why I really like, Because to your point that you said before, James, that Michael does belong in this film. And I agree with that. But I think as like a ghost, as like an actual vision, Mm. correct. Yes. And Mm. not a flesh and blood Mm. living, you know, Mm. sewer dweller. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's something that has captivated Corey's mind. It's something that has... Been existing in his mind, and maybe he thinks that Michael is actually real. Right, and I was actually I was waiting for that sort of for riteal, that reveal that he's yeah. not actually down there. But yeah. you know, the Akkads go, no, 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 he has to be there. Sure. Um, <laughs> so you know, but 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 I mean, this brings up the original idea for Halloween Four when they were going to bring uh, John Carpenter back into the fold, and that this was his idea. It's like, well, Michael's not alive anymore. Like we definitively killed him in the second one. Like he is dead, but this town is haunted by him. And so his presence is supernatural, like literally at like, there's a scene in this, in the script. Um, the, 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 entire script is not available, but, um, uh, there was an interview with Dennis Etchison, uh, the, the horror writer who, uh, penned the script. John Carpenter asked him directly, I said, I like your work. Will you write Halloween four? And, uh, one there's there's a moment where there's like a pumpkin patch and like Michael Myers comes exploding out of like a mountain of pumpkins and grows to like twelve feet tall like, a, like crazy cocaine eighty stuff going on <laughs>
0: but <laughs> you know. can we get that I, I'll still sign up for that version yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean
2: yeah one day maybe maybe in the next iteration um but yeah but yeah you know Michael was never was he didn't want it to be this literal flesh and blood man anymore he was an idea um and who knows if it was the same idea of him like plaguing someone inspiring them to kill um but i think we got about as close to that idea as we could with this particular mm-hmm. film of michael literally being a boogeyman but again i think that because he is flesh and blood and then we have to sort of deal with him at the end i guess um it really it 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 made. It made the it it really downgraded the quality that this film could have had with these ideas. Having him be flesh and blood well, here.
0: The, the idea. So I guess my my big thing was I I, I really was engaged and invested in the Corey storyline. Yeah. I mean I know a lot of people might might hate it, but I, I was. Really curious. I'm like, how is this kid going to turn out? Is he going to go full Michael Myers? Is there going to be a re- I mean, The big question is like, is this going to be a redemption arc for this guy? Is he like, wh- where are they going to take it? And what's this going to mean for Allison? Right. That's well, And, about, that, it, and that
2: was sort of my big problem with it too, is that I, I, I didn't feel there was any question like from the get go. Mm. I'm like, I know where this is going. Mm. Like they showed him wearing the coveralls, you know, when he's working on the, you know, he's a mechanic. Mm the, the mask, the scarecrow mask that he wears was very reminiscent of the clown mask from the original film. Like, like it's a scarecrow and not a clown, but like the smile and the eyes were Mm -hmm. very similar. Um, and, and so, and, and then when he meets Michael in the sewer, I was like, okay, well I know, I know exactly where this is going. So there was never that tension for me of like, will he
0: or won't he, you know? I, 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 I agree with the version we got. I agree. I think my problem was, I was really interested in seeing how the film would conclude Corey's storyline until they're like, Oh wait, 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 he doesn't actually matter. Uh, yeah. Michael's
2: just going to kill him. And well in his, his, his unaliving himself was very hollow. Um, it just, it didn't make any sense. It, it didn't, yeah. it, it came out of nowhere for me. Um, he goes through all of this and then he's just like, well, if, if I can't have her, I'm just going to stab myself in the throat at the end. Uh, except that doesn't kill him because apparently in this series, no one can die from throat injuries. like everyone survives he a grabbed stab his neck. neck. he got
1: a little extra string. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it
2: was the transference when you know when Michael's giving him his powers through the eyes
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah I, I just to say it to say i'm I'm with you on the version that we got it it does kind of rob the movie of a proper I just th- there that, that was a storyline. I was really eager to see how they concluded it up until. Michael Myers shows back up and you're like, Oh, I guess it's a very, like uh, it's a
2: compelling idea. And I think that it does and it does in some ways grasp it, but it, it just, it, it, it ultimately is just grasping. I I feel like it's, it's never it doesn't, quite commit, doesn't commit. white doesn't commit
1: getting it.
3: it. I also really, and it's, I, I mean, I'd be interested to interviews exist with uh, Gordon Green and the cinematographer on this, but like, both viewings it really stood out to me in that opening scene where um when Mrs. Allen opens the door to Corey hi Corey like it's this POV like she's and she's staring at us right yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's a straight on look at us mm-hmm. like it's almost like a mm. second person kind of narration like you were in the story we yeah. in the same way that the original film in that opening scene positioned us as young Michael it is right then positioning Stabbing us things. as That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Corey, and then there's the reverse where he he looks at her right, and this happens a couple times in that kind of moment, and I I I don't know if that was intentional, but that feels intentional, right? That's very
2: Jonathan Demi with with yeah the, the Silence and the signs of the Lambs, the Lambs thing. And the, you know. but
3: it seems in that way to implicate the audience as. You are just as capable yeah.
1: of... Well, that's the campaign, that's the campaign that, that... We talked about Jamie Lee Curtis's campaign for trauma for this series, is that the, this this particular story is centered around um, us being the monster. She kept saying, you're going to be really angry when you see this film. She didn't say why. Now we all have <laughs> different reasons why. But, um, but the, her re- reason and rationale for why we were going to be angry was that the movie's going to tell you that you are the monster. And so I think that definitely is there mm-hmm. if um, at least narratively if not also stylistically but I think that um, as we've kind of already discussed about the ending they kind of derail that that yeah. messaging by scapegoating just, it to Michael. Just, they're so they're
2: sticking their toe in the water, but they're never fully yeah. diving in, I think.
1: I was listening to
3: the new do y'all listen to Halloweenies, that podcast? No. no. That's another podcast mm. into this. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> oh no it's great. Yeah, sorry. check it out. Halloweenies recommend
3: <laughs> but uh, they 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 had an, a Halloween's uh, Halloween ends episode and um, I, when I was listening to it one of the they were asked like they had a problem with the ending too they didn't mention like the scapegoating and all that but so shame on them so if you want smart <laughs> elevated podcast you listen to us um, frequently but the. Um, they had a problem with the ending itself, though, and it's like, well, how do you how do you fix that? And I can't remember exactly what one of them, like the the, 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 the word for word what they said, but like you do it where they slit his throat and his uh his wrist, his wrist yeah. and then you cut immediately from that to them throwing his body into the the if you want that ending of his death and yes. the thing, then you cut immediately to that, and then. And then your movie's done. Like you don't do not give that sort of nice, neat bow of like, and then they all lived happily ever after. It's like, right. no, maybe they don't like, maybe well, you don't. So I don't know that that quite fixes it, but I think they're you, you, the problem is like the nice, neat bow, because if you're all the monsters, you all have to go to therapy. Right. And that's not the message at the end of this film. Yeah. Like.
0: Well, and, and again, I, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm right on the same page there. I would remove removing Michael Myers though, take it a step further. What if the, in the movie is the town just like hamstring, like they, they, they string up Corey and they murder him. And and then you, the audience yeah. are like, wow. Uh, I mean, you make it all cool and cinematic and stuff, but like at the end of the day, I think that's way more impactful. Wow. This was a kid who was by all and for all intents, innocent until the town punished him for an accident. And you, the audience indulged in that up until the end and you realize, oh wait, this was a tragic death. Yeah. And and you do that through the lens of Allison, who witnesses the the better parts of him, you know? Again, I'm not a, I'm not going to pretend to be a filmmaker and say things are easy. I just, what you're saying is better than what we got. It's just more compelling. It just (laughs) is more compelling and it leaves an impact because here's the thing. It kind of, you know, leads me to my next question about sort of the legacy of this trilogy. I said this to my fiance, Lauren, she didn't see kills last year. And I was originally going to catch her up so Uh, she could go with us on Thursday. Lucky her. Yeah. Right. And then, and then I I envy, we realized, world she lives in. Then I realized the buzz. There weren't early reviews for this one. So I said, actually, let me see it first. It'll be on Peacock (laughs) because if it's bad, you don't have to watch kills and ends. And though I found a lot to like in this film, I think both of the, this entire saga, I feel like is completely inessential. Like, I don't think you need to see them. I don't think that I think their legacy is that they had a lot of cool ideas that never quite came together. And I'd love to hear what you guys think. Is this going to be something we look back on in 10, 15 years of, well, that was the, the Michael Gordon green, uh, Danny McBride take. And it was really unique for these reasons. Cause right. I will tell you right now. And again, having gone back to Halloween 2018 and just seeing how quickly that one kind of faded from memory. I just I don't I don't see these movies really lasting uh, in the long run. Uh, Laurent, what are your thoughts on sort of the longevity of this uh, I iteration? Think,
1: I think for the reasons that we're talking about, the ways it gets it wrong will make it a valuable piece of, of of cinema to just dissect about. See, this is how it it mismessaged this larger issue. So I think it creates a conversation about about what the movie was trying to do and what it ultimately did or did not accomplish. So. Um, from an entertainment value or just like a pure enjoyment value, maybe not. that, that just differs on how much you liked this one. I mean the, the last two. Um, but I think it will be interesting as a conversation piece about trauma and how trauma has been um, represented in film or misrepresented in film. And I think that is useful, that is useful as a, as a tool. you know, so we can kind of see what kind of patterns and cycles as a society that we have with our messaging around this this issue. And how some films get it right and some don't. I think Hereditary gets it a lot better. Yeah. yeah. Well said.
0: Uh, Chris, any thoughts on the the legacy or longevity of this iteration? So, you know,
2: at the end of the day, you know, people want to see Michael Myers kill people. Um, (laughs) We, you know, I mean, I I even do, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, you know, in terms of the 2018 film, I will say that, like, As far as like a competently cohesive scripted film goes, 2018 does a pretty good job. It's, it's cohesive. It tells the story from beginning to end. It's fine. It's not great, but it's fine. Do you need to watch it? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) With this, I would say out of all three of these, this last one, Halloween ends has the most going for it in terms of sheer, ideas mm-hmm. um, in terms of something that is actually compelling to talk about. Um, Cause I, we could not be having this conversation about the 2018 film and certainly not for Halloween kills. Like what we've said about Halloween kills is what is there is to say about it. Honestly, yeah. like that's it. Um, this, this, this film does have a lot of questions it's posing. Um, but I just think in the end and just sort of like with, the trilogy, if you even want to call it that, because again, this is the messiest trilogy I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> More than the new Star Wars. Trilogy. I know that was
3: immediately. I, was like, I oh.
2: didn't see the last two. <laughs> I'll be honest. Oh, so you I are can't a, even speak also
3: a lucky person. Yeah,
2: you you envy the world I live in. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 real messy, and there's. The, the execution is really the problem here. There's, there's so many ideas going on just within this film and not enough time, not enough nuance, honestly, not, I don't think enough talent really. Cause we, I go back to David Lynch, right. And this, like there, there are so many references to David Lynch in this film, like very direct, references. I won't get into them all, but they are there, but like the lost highway shot, for instance, like the lines on the highway is shot is in this is in Halloween ends. Um, and again, I mentioned before blue velvet and twin peaks firewalk with me are probably the two biggest influences on this film. And, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the the film ends. It's, it's nice and it's happy, right? It's a happy ending, but they're like the Michael Myers mask is on her coffee table at the end does that suggest that evil didn't die tonight? I don't know. (laughs) Is it, is it, is it like the lingering, you know, evil that will continue on? I, I don't know. I don't think the filmmakers know either. And that's a problem. Um, but going to blue velvet, right? Like blue velvet has the, um, my favorite opening of any film of all time. Like it is so good. And, if you're not familiar with it, it's like it's blue sky, you know, blue skies, white picket fence and red roses. So like immediately those color schemes and this the idea of picket fences and what we keep out, it's established immediately. And then uh, there's a sequence with like a fire truck and there's people waving. It's very surreal. And then a guy has like a stroke and the camera pan, pans down into the grass and just shows like close ups of bugs just like mulching and eating and the sound obviously David Lynch. So the sound just envelops you and it's, it's so brilliant. I mean, it, it lines up perfectly what this film is. Here is a picture of America and here's what's actually beneath all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue velvet also ends with the supposedly the rest- the restoration of the white picket fences. You know, the, the man who has a stroke at the beginning, uh, he's fine now he's sitting in the back drinking lemonade and the, the bright fresh faced young couple who are supposed to be together. Although there's way more chemistry between Kyle McLaughlin and uh, Isabella Rossellini than there is between him and Laura Dern. And that's by design. Um, I think, cause actually those two have a lot of chemistry together, but, um, the film ends with this, this Robin and like th- Laura Dern has a, a speech about like the Robin and, um, Something about the restoration of peace at the end and, and everything, and there's a robin who has uh, one of these bugs in its mouth at the end of the film, and <laughs> David David Lynch, I think, because his his tongue is planted firmly in cheek, he says, "No, that bird is real. That's a real bird. It's not a real. I mean, that is not a real bird. That is like if it is, that is the fakest looking real bird I've ever seen in my life. It it looks fake. It looks robotic, and I've always read that as yeah, we restored good in the world, but it's fake. It's artificial. It's not real. This none of this is real. Um, and I, I, the film is very much Halloween ends is very much trying to make that same point, and I just don't think it's ever actually getting there for all the reasons we've already discussed. Um, so anyway, that's sort of my overall assessment of uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Should probably just stick to dark comedy.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Fair. Uh, James, any uh, thoughts on the legacy of this iteration?
3: Yeah. I mean, listening to you all right now, I, I, I would find it very difficult to recommend the 2018 film or indefinitely not Halloween Kills. Like, I just couldn't. There's like two scenes in Halloween Kills. Lindsay's chase scene and the kitchen scene that shot so well where the. Husband, where Michael's like stabbing the husband on repeat in the background. That's such a great use of depth of field. But other than that, those are just it's a, it's just such a garbage film. So I have a hard time recommending them at all. That said, I can't ignore this one. And you're I appreciated your comment earlier, Caleb. Where you said, and you uh, both Chris and Lauren actually you know said a version of this too. But like. I was on that same high on 2018's Halloween when it came out. Like I felt very, I was like, this is, this may be the fourth best film in the the series. Mm-hmm. You know, now I would put it like the third worst, like yeah, pretty easily. I mean, so maybe I'll find out in a year. I don't like this film. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, I might, I might feel that way. Um. So I just prepare myself for that. That said, you all of course are familiar with the final girl uh, essay from clever, but I've, are y'all, You've read the whole book, right? Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Mm-hmm. i
0: have not. I haven't, and I need
3: to. So, Lauren, as someone who has, I've been thinking a lot about the chapter on the occult genre, okay. the opening up. Um, I think it's really worth our time as horror fans, and I think in this way, the legacy of this trilogy, if anything, it could be that it's worth it. It. it it's asking us whether intentionally or not to revisit, not just her body himself, the way that we've been doing and talk about the final girl all the time, but to revisit it opening up because it's really been the last 20 years. Like, yeah, the slasher has had its heyday resurgence, but the occult genre is really where it's been. Mm-hmm. Right. And I say that hating movies like the conjuring. I'm, and I said that, and I hope someone comes for me on. I totally agree. I'll say it again, but that genre, that subgenre. Is the most like popular right now. And mm-hmm. I would even go further and say that all the superhero films, the Marvel films, the DC films, it's right there in the top in this in the category superhero, right? So if it, I don't think we should be talking about those films just as superhero films. I think we should be thinking about them within the realm of the occult. And I think that's a very useful thing to do because I think what's hap- what I'm starting to believe is happening is these films are reflecting a, um, and this is my moment where I just become my film professor from undergrad, Betty Robbins. (laughs) I just think these films are ultimately about a deep anxiety as it relates to gender, particularly as it relates to men, um, unfeeling men and trying to get at, and I don't think this movie does it well enough. It doesn't get at the root causes for why either Michael or Corey are what they are, but this, all three films seem interested in it. Yeah. Think about yeah. the fact that Halloween kills begins with what's the boyfriend's name, Cameron. Like it begins with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Think about the fact that he is wearing the, uh, Bonnie yeah. from yeah. Bonnie and Bonnie Clyde. And Clyde outfit, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Think about the fact that it brings back Lonnie Elam, right? Yep. Um, uh, the bully, he's a bully in that film, but in Halloween kills are like, well, He's learned his lesson, right? <laughs> um, it brings back Tommy. I guess what I'm saying is, I think these three films, like the occult subgenre generally, seem very reflective of this sort of tension that exists in our, I don't think it's just in America. I think it's global, this global tension about what is masculinity? Yeah. What is it? And in the occult film, um, in that essay opening up, which I, I just cannot encourage everyone enough to, to, to read that. Um, but Clever says that the cover plot is of the possessed girl almost every time. The, the cover plot of these occult stories is almost always of the woman's story, right? Mm-hmm. But she says that's the cover plot and that the real story is about a male in some sort of psychological crisis. And she uses the exorcist as like the main template for this I should not have to explain myself after that, right? Like the the (laughs) exorcist is what, I mean, it's literally called the exorcist, not possessed little girl. right? Like it is Damien's story. Well, guess what's a movie that she spends a lot of time analyzing in that essay, Christine. Like, so I think it's probably really worth our time to, um, because of what these three films are up to, whether they succeed or they don't to bring, the other part of clever into this conversation into our, not just for these films, but for the state of horror in this new century or in this new century and in this new decade. And I think it would probably serve us really well. I mean, I had not, I knew Cunningham's name and that was enough for Christine, but I really missed until this conversation, the fact that they both end in the junkyard Uh Um, because you emphasized Christine as much as you did, Leron, it made me really remember Clever's essay where she talks about the ways in which though Christine doesn't tell us how the car becomes demonic. It hints at it as being open. And one of the things she talks about in that essay is how the female characters in the occult, while not the main point are the ones that are the demonic entrance. Every time there's something evil about women is what those films tend to say. And that also, the, and that this is nothing new this is eve in the bible it's the oracles um in ancient greece um and clever is saying like this is a problem it, mm-hmm. if 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 anyone is interested in the representation of women in film we should be very concerned about what these stories these occult stories are saying about the nature of evil as this uniquely feminine thing so i was i i missed a lot of the christine cunningham stuff but what i had not missed when we were watching this film the first time is the second they showed that shot the first shot of the of the sewer from outside because clever emphasizes that women are quote female portals and it's because their bodies are like naturally quote unquote naturally open right right (laughs) okay okay okay. (laughs) um but what clever points out is that well hang on back up so i'll start talking over myself in my brain um that, that that in the in the occult it's a lot of corridors it's a lot of holes right and so the fact that michael myers is in a hole in this film immediately made me realize we were not just in a slasher film we were in the occult and i can't help but wonder what someone who's an enterprising student what they could do with that and the fact that not only is he down in that hole but even when he attacks Corey the first time, he's in an opening. <laughs> it, yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying here? Yeah, like this there. is this is yeah. the, there's, mm-hmm. there's there's yeah, some a womb of sorts. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. no, absolutely, absolutely. Corey right, and right. Corey comes out a different yeah. person, right? If yeah, they, no, absolutely. And
3: learn. then there's 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 stuff going on there, and the fact that Christine is playing so heavily over all of this, I think, is worth our time. I think something that's bothered me about all three movies, even though Jamie Lee Curtis is present as an executive director, there is no woman writing anything here. No. And it shows. These movies are not interested in women
2: at we all. We haven't had one since Deborah Hill in the original. We've not had a, a woman writing these things at all. And and Deborah Hill's contributions are honestly the best, the best part thing. of the original.
3: It's humanizing. We, those those women are like well-rounded characters. Yeah. And none of that exists in these films. Like So I think these movies are... About men, for men, and I think the for men part is where it's a real big problem, right? Gay, are you all ready? So if all that's true, <laughs> then think of the cop murder, the way in which Corey is like holding that officer, and yeah, and then I, I felt this, too. yeah, saying Michael, help, like show me how it's done, mm-hmm. and Michael taking that knife out, and again, anyone who's read *Her Body* himself on the slasher, the knife's always the spallic. Substitute, I'm not saying anything new here. This is not breaking new ground. But when you apply it in this film, that moment where Michael is stabbing this cop that Corey is holding, I don't know what kind of gay threesome that (laughs) moment is, but something clever says that these films reveal the occult is that women on the surface are the opened human, but this is to ignore the man's. But right mm-hmm. it's to it just is oh, and his mouth and she says that what it ultimately reveals is that it's these films are very much about the repression of of queerness and these men who are um unfeeling and by the end of the movie have to either learn how to open up admit their emotions if they don't they die right if they do they get married <laughs> <laughs> um and so i i just what do you do with that with with like Corey does not learn to open up that moment where uh, Allison holds out her hands right. to him uh-huh. and he rejects her. That's the moment where the horror really happens. That's the moment where he encounters the sewer. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And so it really follows the occult tropes in some ways. And so I think it, and then think of the scream movies, right? They're slashers, but that's a, that's a fucking ghost mask. Uh-huh. And so I think it might really, I think the legacy of this film is to say that we have missed the mark as horror scholars and as critics if we're just thinking about these all of these films as slashers and ignoring the role that the occult is playing, um, particularly during the rise of incels and white supremacy and toxic masculinity, so
2: that Scream Five uh, dealing directly with that,
3: literally, and that's how the year began was with Scream Five. So I think the legacy is that this is a messy three films, but that this third one ultimately is an improvement but that it helps us unlock the fact that we, sh- we need to be rethinking the way genre is working right now and what right. it's saying about us.
0: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, James, just for context for listeners in case they missed it the first time, uh, the, the essay you recommended, uh, what uh, could you remind me where, what is it and where can they find it?
3: So it's film professor Carol Clover and her book is called men, women, and chainsaws. And it's from the early nineties. The famous essay is her body himself. And that's where we get the final girl concept the chapter I'm recommending in addition to that is called Opening Up. Um, one one more thing that I, I'd hate to not note, and it's hit me both times I've watched it. Um, if I were writing an academic paper on this, I am not because counsel and teaching keeps me quite busy. But if I were, I would call it The Night He Came Home less... As, as someone now in counts on council and homelessness is the number one issue we get calls and emails about number one, number one, this won't surprise anyone at this table. Uh, I just got back from Seattle homelessness. I think the fact that when we first meet Michael, even before we meet him and we see that hole, um, we see the homeless man first. Mm-hmm. And so kind of Chris, to your point about blue velvet, like there's this rot beneath the surface and the fact that you have this unhoused individual who also has this mental health illness, right, um, that leads him to act aggressively. Too many people think that a homeless person is a threat. Not no one at this table, but you know the people I'm talking about. Um, home, a homeless person's a threat and they're gonna hurt us and get them out of, I don't wanna see them. And they forget that they're more likely to be the victims, right, of crime. And that when they do act out in those ways, like well, now it's start talking about what schizophrenia and 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 what desperation, right? whatever the case might be for that individual, and you see that play out in that homeless person, and then the fact that Michael, huh. right, has been unleashed twice from a mental health facility with no real like his two both his doctors suck like <laughs> they're oh, yeah, <laughs> exploiting him, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now after his second rampage in Halloween Kills. He's homeless and he's just out there. And I just think in that way, the film's legacy, and I don't know the extent to which they intended it, but I think it, it can't help but bring to the surface, as horror always does, reflects what we're going through. And this whole country is going through a housing and homelessness crisis. And too often we want to ignore it and be like, oh, it's their fault that they're homeless. Um, and it's like, no, we, we, what? <laughs> no, like there's this whole conversation about who is homeless what role does trauma play in that? What happens when you don't fund public education properly? What happens when you don't have enough of a housing stock? What happens, You know, what happens when you don't have access to mental health care? So, in some weird ways, I think this movie is kind of having that conversation with us. And I think the fact that the original s- s- uh, s- tagline for the film is "The Night He Came Home," I just I don't think you can ignore mm-hmm. that in this film more than ever.
0: Yeah yeah certainly uh, yeah. creates the conditions of uh, fear that the town of Haddonfield are experiencing to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Just to close us out, Halloween ends, as we've already said, is the 13th entry in a 44-year-old franchise. <laughs> Question number one, should this franchise continue in part two? If so, where do we go from here? LaRon, I'll start with you.
1: No. It's done. It's done. Halloween ended. Halloween ended for me, at least, yeah. Okay. I'll see another one if it comes out, but I will probably vehemently hate it. So I'll say, no, I'm done.
0: this is coming from Leron Chapman. Listeners can't see this because it's an audio podcast, (laughs) but he's
1: literally wearing a Laurie Strode t-shirt. Oh yeah. Laurie Strode for life, but, but no, I'm done. Okay.
0: So Leron doesn't even want to entertain what could come next. Uh, Chris, what
1: do you think? I mean, whether
2: we want it or not, it will, it will happen. Um, Yeah. And five years, you know, I'm, I am very uh, like, again, I alluded to this before. I'm, I'm kind of exhausted with franchises. I'm exhausted with, bringing these characters and these figures back again and again and again. I, I real quick, I will plug something that happened in the past, um, that James did. Uh, it happened a couple of days ago. Uh, it was a screening of night of the living right. dead, uh, put up by the, the, the library, the made, metropolitan library, the metropolitan library system. We love them. Um, and, uh, also hosted by dead center at the radio mm-hmm. cinema and uh, James was also there for a talk back with Sunrise Tipikani, um, who is a, a Ooh, lovely, great combo. Yeah. Lovely person. Yes, it yeah. was great. You guys were watching this movie, and you should have been there. With, with I, I'll be honest, it did I not occur to were. me that this
0: was the same night until that <laughs> night, and I was like, "Wait, that's tonight." I felt so bad too.
1: We, we had this conversation we, in the theater. We literally had we like, the
0: theater, like, "Wait, was that tonight?" Oh, dang. I didn't mean to call you out.
2: No, that's fair. <laughs> it's fair. Um, but um, you know, thinking about how revolutionary *Night of the Living Dead* was. And someone had brought up the walking dead during the, the talk back and like all the rules that have been established in the zombie genre, right? Like the subgenre, like it all comes from that movie, little scraps of places prior to that. But like, this is the first time it brought all these ideas together. And you know, the, the word revolutionary was used several times during the discussion by James by sunrise. Um, and, and it, because it just, it genuinely is, it is it a revolutionary film, um, you know, for all its flaws that we can see now in retrospect, the original Halloween, very revolutionary in so many ways, the original, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Hellraiser, um, all of these first films before they became franchises which again i'll I'll give an exception to chucky because it just it was born to be a franchise and it's funny and it doesn't take itself too seriously so i'll give that one a pass but everything else (laughs) and the scream series uh it's not bad if we get a franchise but the fact just the i the the emphasis of franchise over something genuinely revolutionary that's Mm -hmm. what i'm exhausted with Mm -hmm. and you know so You know, if Halloween does come back, I want it to be an anthology film. I want no trace of Michael Myers whatsoever. I want it to be Halloween three, part two, you know, (laughs) except not a sequel to Halloween three. Don't do that. Uh, Do something completely different. I'll watch it if it does happen, but don't do it. Um, You know, I don't. I so. Yeah, I mean, if another one happens, inevitably it will, you know, as long as the Akkads are alive, Michael Myers will live, too.
1: Um, maybe so you in- saying is no, 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 no just kidding. <laughs>
2: listen, and listen, if, if Blumhouse came to me and said, Hey, will you write a direct sequel to Halloween for in which Jamie Lloyd is the shape? I'll be like, yeah, give me a million dollars and I will totally write that for you. And I would, and even if I didn't write it, I would watch it. Um, but it won't happen because it has to be Michael Myers. It always has to be Michael Myers. And yeah, so I'm exhausted and, uh, it'll happen Right now, I'm not
3: terribly excited for it. Mm-hmm. James? Well, I'll just echo um, almost word for word what Chris just said. I'm That's where I am with franchises. Um, yes, there will be more because, I mean, I just saw the box office receipts. Like, even though it came in a little bit lower than Kills, it made $41 million. While simultaneously being on Peacock. While being yep. on Peacock, so, right? So that's that's going to be a whole thing. Um, I I mean, in my mind, I've just decided to refer to and think about this franchise the way one would think about the Bond films. It's like in terms of a property, it's just right. gonna uh, yeah. the studio. Whichever studio gets it, will figure out a way at some point. Um, and new iterations. And then I, I, in terms of horror, I I guess its references. You know, Frankenstein, and think of how many Frankenstein iterations we have. Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. So I just don't, I think we were, and it's going to be hard for our generation to to reckon with that. Right. Because we're, I don't know, like we, 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 at least me, I didn't, I mean, I always knew there would be sequels. I, but I don't know that I quite understood when I was, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. I don't think I quite understood that these were our Frankensteins and our Draculas. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I fully am, appreciated that. And, and so I would get mad sometimes when they would make a sequel or or the, not just a the sequel, the reboots. That's when I would get mad. Right. But now I just kind of am like, well, but they're going to. So kind of I don't want them, though, to Laurent's point. But especially for the reasons that Chris has said, like, I think, look, I was talking to someone earlier today who was talking about the, the film Bros, uh, mm-hmm. the romantic comedy. And, you know, I'm, there's all this Internet chatter right now where it's like, oh, that movie didn't perform very well, and that's because straight people suck and didn't give gay people a chance. I'm like, no, it's because the movie is, I haven't even seen it, just the trailer. I actually broke my trailer rule and watched the trailer. And I was like, this just looks generic as fuck. Like, it just, if you've seen Runaway Bride, you have seen Bros. <laughs> I just rest assured, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> Sometimes I'm wrong. I, I don't think on this I'm wrong. Um, and... I think what's happening in the force awakened was like the big, like awakening for me of the moment that we're living in. Like I worried when Disney got that property, that what they were going to do was exactly what they did. I just couldn't imagine it was going to be as bad as what's the third one. The the rise Skywalker. of Skywalker. Yeah. 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 Like where they are just so afraid to take a risk. So afraid to give filmmakers, a chance to do something unique and new with the property. And that's why I've been a bit defensive of this film for even trying um, and not always succeeding by any chance Mm -hmm. or by any stretch of the imagination. But like, I just think we're living in a world where what five companies own everything and they answer only to Monday morning, bottom line wall street. And what that's doing is I think it's just drowning out the, the potential for new original stories like reservation dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or even trying to take a risk with the property like the way HBO's watchmen did. Yeah. So it, it, what I'm asking for is not I'm not. I'm not some snob who's just like. Oh, I mean, not, that's not it. It's like no, 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 no. Don't don't tell me this is that this is not possible when Watchmen exist, when Wally example. exists. Like don't don't do that. Like y- y- when Moonlight exists. Or pray, pray, even, pray, to, pray. To bring pray up. was super fun. Yeah. My gosh, it, it did something
2: very original and different. And, yeah, you
3: know, and don't tell me like. Uh, oh, uh, bros is, 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 is revolutionary because it's, it's, it's a romantic gay comedy and thank God there's these gaming characters. You can't say that when moonlight just came out and one best picture appears. years ago. I know that's not a romantic comedy, but you can't say that you, can't, we can't no. say that you can't say that when weekend exist. Um, mm-hmm. I just think we're doing ourselves a disservice and stop rewarding trash.
0: Yeah. I, I think James, you put it really well. I am actually okay with more Halloween. I I tend to lean towards the anthology approach very strongly, but Watchmen is a really great example of, okay, the, the gears of capitalism insists that this thing get resurrected. So Hall- Halloween resurrected. <laughs> Good night, everything. You know,
3: Direct sequel.
0: But you know, Resurrect. it's funny. They, uh, side story about Watchmen. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge Damon Lindelof fan. And, uh, he had, they had to ask him three times to do that show before he finally said yes. And he had very lengthy Instagram posts you can go find where he explains his rationale behind it. But the thing about it was a couple things. Number one, when he did it and decided to make it about race in America, he was like, wait, I can't do that. <laughs> Number one. So there was he's like, this is what it, if we're, we're going to make it, it needs to be this. And for some reason, HBO says I need to be the one to make this. And I'm not going to say no a third time. So they bring in he brings in a very diverse right. uh, writers room, directors room, and the result was incredible. Yes. I think it might even be better than the original, I honestly. Agree. I think it is. It's, it's fantastic. And I think if we're willing to really find the right creators with the right ideas and give them the time and the resources they need to execute on these ideas
1: and the space and the freedom to do so. Exactly. That's the main thing.
0: Not hey, we need this movie in like a year. Can you it crank needs to it out? fit this formula. And, it's we, like
1: let them make the movie they want to make right. and let them say what they want to say.
0: It's know? like, I don't know. Go find uh, – gosh, I don't know. Uh, the guy who just did about bar- Barbarian from The whitest Kids You Know. I'm totally dry. on blank on his name. I don't know. See, so be like, hey, if you were able to make a Halloween movie and there were no rules, what would that look like? I don't know. Something like that. You find someone who has a passionate take and you invest it. That's where I'm at. I, I am okay with – I'm not necessarily anti-more movies, but there needs to be a really strong mm-hmm. – idea and there needs to be a really strong backing from the studio and the producers to make that happen and yeah. allow it, the space to, to happen. Yeah. Is, is that going to occur? I don't think so. Well, and to your point
3: about giving these, giving these people a chance to do those things, I think the gears of capitalism say we have to keep producing right? to produce a product. And my counter to this is no, you don't wait till someone has the idea and Hollywood, not just Hollywood, but Sony, Disney, News Corp. How about you take all of those profit dollars and why don't you invest them in the 50 states so that they can actually fund access to mental health care? I, and I know that seems like, what? But it's like, no, what are you doing with this money? Yeah. Like, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. should not be making $50 million for an <laughs> Iron Man movie. That is Same. that is monstrous. It's that obscene. is That is obscene. That is true. That's the right word. That is obscene. Like on the TV show, Chucky, there's a, what's her face, Tiffany, like that character. There's a moment where the Nika character goes, oh, how did you spend a hundred million dollars? Like, well, I have a lifestyle that pulled. It's like, <laughs> and that's kind of my, that's, you know, it's yeah. obscene. Yeah. And we, so that's what I think you wait until the person has a story to tell. You fund that story and you just wait.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I think that's acceptable and that's how it should be. And what? and you were talking about the IP thing. And I guess the last thing I'll say to is. Right now, we're the Halloween movies are driven specifically to make money. I mean, I'm sure David Gordon Green and Dave Brown, they had a take that they were they pitched but I don't think it was necessarily like ah this is the story I've been wanting to tell sure. uh and oh it's going to be three movies no that we have already discussed they've already dis- shared pretty publicly they had maybe two movies worth of story to tell that they wanted to tell that they then turned into three movies so and it ties back in with the the Star Wars comment you, you mentioned earlier James like Disney said how can we make as much money as fast as possible and uh that's what they did
2: no more tril- trilogies unless it legit needs to be told in three films. Otherwise
0: Standalones are run. Standalones are great. great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With well, that said, gentlemen, I think we are out of time. We've in fact talked about this movie longer than the runtime of the film. Take that, Halloweenies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think they did three hours, but you know, we were leaner. Yeah.
0: We tried. I try I try. Uh, with that said, gentlemen, uh, I know that all three of you are doing other awesome things out in our community or on the internet. So I'd love to share. I'd love for you to have the opportunity to share. Where can people find you and your work uh, online? Chris, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah, um, I I write fairly frequently for the Cinematropolis, which is you know what we're doing here today. Sort of, we're promoting the Cinematropolis. Kind Uh, I write for lit reactor as, uh, as Caleb mentioned before. Um, I'm pretty active on, on Instagram. That's about the only social media platform that doesn't annoy me. So, um, I, and my, uh, it, just search my name. You'll find me Christopher Schultz. Uh, I have a, I have a username, but it's I'd have to spell it, and it's a whole thing. I'm going to link it in
0: the show notes, listeners. Check it out there. Oh, yeah. Laron Chapman.
1: You can follow me on social media. My name, Laron Chapman, or you can follow me on Letterboxd if you care to hear any of my thoughts on film um, at black underscore cinna underscore man.
0: James Cooper, where can people find you and and your work? Oh, I'm nervous now because I said a lot. I talked a lot of shit
3: on (laughs) Star Wars. I don't know if I want people, but... Uh yeah, James for OKC on uh, I'm on both Facebook and Instagram, but I'm on like a sabbatical from from uh, Facebook to protect my mental health. Um good choice. Good for you. But Instagram's like photos, so hmm. and funny clever things from like best up grinder or whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I didn't make that up.
0: So yeah, James for OKC. Excellent. And uh listeners of course you can keep up with all the work we're doing here over at the cinemadropolis.com. <clears throat> I believe we're going to have an essay uh, from Daniel Boekemper on Halloween ends uh, next week. So keep your eyes peeled there and uh, make sure to go out and enjoy a good spooky season. I mean, it only comes around once a year. Dress up in costumes. Don't do anything too creepy. Have some fun. Watch some scary movies. Until then, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And we'll catch you again next time.